Greetings, citizens, and welcome to Pick 6 Movies, the only podcast that was exposed to radioactive gamma waves, giving its host the ability to find six movies, all related to one theme for each season. And then, on each episode, through kinetic mental abilities, we explore the people in front of and behind the camera to try to make some sense out of how and why each of these movies was ever made. But that's not all. Just when all hope seems to be lost, we rise to the occasion and heroically give you a detailed review of the entire movie to see if they're any good. I'm Chad Cooper, and along with my super friend, Bo Ransdell, we are standing up for this season's theme, The Old Men and DC, where we are battling six movies all based on DC comic superheroes. This is season five, episode four, and it is here we are assembling together to champion the cause for Justice League. We've got Batman, Wonder Woman, Cyborg, The Flash, Aquaman, and somebody else I'm sure that is in there. We got Batman, Wonder Woman, Cyborg, The Flash, Aquaman. Who am I leaving out? You know what? I, I'll remember it eventually. You know, what? let's turn things over to the Zan, to my Jaina, none other than Mr. Bo Ransdell, to deliver some truth and justice in an American way. Batman, Wonder Woman, Cyborg, The Flash, Aquaman. Oh, it's killing me. You know what? Let's just get Bo in here for his introduction. I've already heard it. He did a great job. It is really super. Man, who am I leaving out? You know, I'm sure I'll remember by the time Bo sets things up for Justice League. Batman, Wonder Woman, Cyborg, Flash, Aquaman. The very essence of leadership is that you have to have vision. You can't blow an uncertain trumpet. Theodore M. Hesburgh What Russian family? Zack Snyder With these quotes in mind, friends and neighbors, let us turn our attention to one of the more recent films we've covered on this show, 2017's Justice League. In a way, this is a post-mortem, an examination of what has led to the death, or at least the uncertainty, of what should be a layup. The creation and success of a comic book universe inspired by decades of comics and possessed of a rich lore somehow laid low and left to flounder, rudderless and adrift. Well before there was ever a DC Extended Universe, which is the shorthand for the movie arm of the DC Universe, before Iron Man made his armor in a cave on screen, Warner Brothers, the rights holders for all things DC, which, by the way, lest we forget, is short for Detective Comics, wanted to bring its stable of heroes back to cinema. It's only fitting, then, that it would be the Batman to bring a much-needed shot in the arm to the world of superhero films. Prior to the release of Batman Begins in 2005, DC's previous efforts had been the maligned films Constantine, Catwoman, more on that one later, and the silly and fun, if reviled, Joel Schumacher Batman films. In fairness, Marvel wasn't faring much better. While Spider-Man was swinging into theaters in 2004 with Spider-Man 2, the rest of the comic universe fizzled with a weird take on the Punisher with Thomas Jane, Blade Trinity was a real stinker, Elektra and the Fantastic Four both felt like misfires, and that's before you get into Hollywood creep Brett Ratner's awful X-Men 3. There was, seemingly, no sure thing when it came to comic book adaptations. Batman Begins felt new, an honest-to-goodness, somber and brooding Batman cleaning up the streets of Gotham 
in as realistic a depiction as we'd ever seen. Warner Brothers looked to reinvigorate another franchise by resurrecting Superman with Superman Returns, which feels oddly like Star Wars The Force Awakens in being a film that is part sequel and part retelling of the first story. Despite Brandon Routh's eerie similarity to Christopher Reeve from the original Superman films and the inclusion of celebrated other Hollywood creep Kevin Spacey as Lex Luthor, the film failed to connect with audiences. And yet, Warner Brothers was pushing ahead with a new film that would bring together the most iconic characters in the DC Comics pantheon. Justice League Mortal was the working title and it sounded like a sure thing. Around the same time, Joss Whedon was circling a Wonder Woman film that failed to materialize, and David Goyer, the writer of those Blade movies and Christopher Nolan's Batman films, was looking to take on The Flash. Warner Brothers hired Michelle and Kieran Mulroney to write a draft of a Justice League film. They turned in their finished script in June 2007, and Warner Brothers loved it, fast-tracking the film into production ahead of the looming Writers Guild strike that would cripple production in Hollywood. Because of the poor performance of Superman Returns, Brandon Routh's Superman sequel was not going anywhere, and the actor wasn't seriously considered for reprising his role in this new Justice League project. Christopher Nolan and Christian Bale, director of the eventual Batman trilogy and its star respectively, were quick to say they had no interest in contributing to this Justice League movie, but so long as they didn't step on Nolan's toes, they could exist in the same space. Naturally, Warner Brothers wanted Justice League Mortal to be the beginning of a new franchise, able to spin off solo films from the ensemble adventure. The studio settled on director George Miller, director of the Mad Max films, and weirdly, the talking pig movie Babe, and gave him $220 million to make the blockbuster. Tons of actors auditioned for roles that Miller intended to be cast young, so the actors could grow into the roles over the course of several films. It was an inverse of what we see now as the Marvel movies model, where individual films lead up to a big event picture. In this case, well before an Avengers movie was on the horizon, Warner Brothers hoped to use Justice League Mortal as the beginning of something truly special. Army Hammer, who would later play a vigilante of the Old West, was cast as Gotham's Batman. Megan Gale, who you might see now on Australia's Next Top Model, was offered the role of Wonder Woman. Miller would later cast her in the role of Valkyrie in Mad Max Fury Road, and there are pictures of her in Wonder Woman costuming, and she does look the part. DJ Catrona was given the coveted part of Superman. You might have seen him in G.I. Joe Retaliation, but probably not. Adam Brody from The O.C. would have been Barry Allen, aka The Flash, and comic actor Jay Baruchel would have been the main villain, Maxwell Lord a businessman who helped form the Justice League in some continuities while under the control of either Metron or Kilgore, depending on the timeline. Look, DC's timelines are a mess, and that's something we as a people are just going to have to be cool with. Anyway, the movie had a cast, a script, and a director. But the fates intervened, and the writer strike started before production could begin. The actors' options, that is, the contracts tying them to the film, lapsed. So when the strike was over in February of 2008, Warner Brothers and Miller started firing the engines on Justice League Mortal again, and Miller looked to shoot the film in his native Australia, where he could take advantage of the country's 40% tax cut on filming there. But the Australian government decided that the movie wasn't Australian enough to get the tax break, 
despite an Australian director, an Australian crew, and actors Megan Gale, Teresa Palmer, who would play Talia al Ghul, and Hugh Keyes-Byrne, who was rumored to be playing Martian Manhunter, a deeply weird character. Miller immediately chastised his government for giving away such an opportunity, but Warner Brothers moved the production offices to Vancouver, and production was then pushed back to July 2008. Only something changed that year. First, The Dark Knight was released the same month that Justice League Mortal would have begun shooting. It was a critical and commercial smash success. It is truly one of the great genre films and contain a performance from Heath Ledger as the Joker that will be long remembered as one of the great villain turns in all of cinema. Second, in May of 2008, Marvel Studios released Iron Man. Not only was the movie an unmitigated success and restored Robert Downey Jr. to Hollywood royalty, at the end of the movie, there's a tease. Who the hell are you? Nick Fury, director of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh. I'm here to talk to you about the Avenger Initiative. And with that line, the hair on the necks of every comic book nerd in the world stood up on end. What Iron Man teased was the realization of an impossible dream. A movie in which the biggest heroes in comics would come together and fight some bad mucky muck. Didn't matter who it was, just so long as Iron Man was shoulder to shoulder with Captain America and Spider-Man. Maybe we had to wait for that last one, but the dream of a comic book film series that mirrored the long-held tradition of the comic crossover, it was too good to be true. And the difference sometimes can be a man. Kevin Feige is a name you might not know, but you should. He was named president of Marvel Productions after climbing the ladder from being an executive assistant to producer Lauren Schuler Donner, who is notably Richard Donner's wife, as well as a very successful producer in her own right. On the first X-Men film, he got an associate producer credit for knowing more than anyone else in the writer's room about the X-Men. You know, being a nerd. Feige rose quickly and presented a singular vision to bring the Marvel characters to life on the big screen, and, just like the comics they were based on, let characters move between films. There would be crossovers and events, everything the books have been doing for 40 years, only now for a mainstream audience. The lesson Warner Brothers took from the success of these films was that they needed to focus on their own stable of heroes and to begin with movies that focused on individual characters and not the ensemble. George Miller's Justice League Mortal disappeared almost overnight. And it wouldn't be until 2013 that the DCEU produced its first movie in the new continuum. Man of Steel would reboot the Superman franchise under the guidance of Zack Snyder, who would oversee much of the DCEU's development. Man of Steel was following on the heels of Marvel's work, which now included Iron Man 2, Thor, Captain America the First Avenger, and the first Avengers film. While Thor was considered the weak link, the movies were insanely popular, and the Avengers scored the biggest opening weekend of any movie ever at that time. Over at DC, they'd stumbled with poorly received movies like Jonah Hex and Green Lantern, the latter of which was considered a spectacular misfire. Only the Nolan Dark Knight trilogy had any prestige, so everything else was tossed and Snyder's new universe was set to launch. Only Man of Steel was controversial, something I would argue no Superman movie should be. It was weighted with a dark tone, and critics and fans alike noted Superman's apparent nonchalance in the face of civilian casualties. Still, 
it made a ton of money, so we're all good, right guys? The next movie would be a sequel to Man of Steel, this one called Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. Not only would Ben Affleck show up as an older, world-weary Batman, pleasing Frank Miller fans to no end, that's a joke just for the nerds, Gal Gadot was brought in to fill the boots of Wonder Woman, while it scored a gigantic opening weekend, becoming the fifth biggest box office opening of all time, it also scored one of the biggest week-to-week -week drops. From opening week to the next Friday, the film dropped 81.2% in box office. Scott Mendelson, a writer for Forbes, said, quote, Whether or not the movie is any good, and whether or not audiences respond to the picture, is best measured by the second and third weekends. Yes, we're still talking about a $15.35 million second Friday and a $50 million plus second weekend. But in terms of legs, this film sadly doesn't seem to have any. So while the movie made money, Warner Brothers was concerned about the direction of its franchise. They established their own executive team within Warner Brothers to focus purely on DC films, a step taken by Marvel five years earlier. The same year, Suicide Squad premiered, and it too made a lot of money for Warner Brothers. After the drubbing they received for the grim dark tone of the Snyder Superman films, Warner Brothers tried to spruce up Suicide Squad with some humor. We'll table our discussion of this movie for now. We'll get back to it, pinky promise. I'll leave it by quoting the Wall Street Journal's Joe Morgenstern, who called Suicide Squad, quote, an all-out attack on the whole idea of entertainment, which may be my favorite review of anything. So DC Films, the new executive team in charge of the comic adaptations, would produce the next movie in line, Wonder Woman. Gadot had been a bright spot for many in the Batman v Superman mess, and Wonder Woman stands out as the most acceptable film in DC Films' library. With the critical and financial success of Wonder Woman then, things were on track, right? I mean, now we're good, right? Not so fast. Zack Snyder was again tapped to direct the new Justice League project, but he was surrounded by a new team of executives. DC Comics Editor-in-Chief Jeff Johns was brought in to help with development, along with Ben Affleck, whose Argo screenwriter Chris Terrio had done the shooting draft for Justice League. It began shooting in April of 2016, with Henry Cavill returning as Superman, along with Affleck's Batman, Gal Gadot would reprise her role as Wonder Woman, Ezra Miller would be The Flash, Game of Thrones' Jason Momoa would take to the seas as Aquaman, and Ray Fisher would play Cyborg, all of whom were seen at least briefly in Batman v Superman. Snyder announced the movie would be in two loosely connected parts released separately. Warner Brothers nodded and smiled, but everyone seemed to understand that this movie would be a proving ground. Was the DCEU strong enough to support its first ensemble film? Production was riddled with concerns. Jeff Johns was rewriting the script during shooting to the point that Chris Terrio was audibly concerned about what was being done to his script. Warner Brothers executives were offering all kinds of notes, from instructions to keep the movie light and fun, a distinct course change from Snyder's other movies, and a mandate by the studio that the movie should be under two hours which seems completely arbitrary. Also, Warner Brothers reportedly held what they called a footage summit, where writers like Joss Whedon, who had penned and directed The Avengers, Alan Heinberg of Wonder Woman Success, Seth Graham Greene, who wrote the Abraham Lincoln Vampire book, and Andrea Burloff, who had recently scored with Straight Outta Compton, 
were all brought in to take a look at this movie. The A-team of writers watched footage from the production to advise and make notes. One reportedly called the assembly, quote, unwatchable. Actually, that's not true. Two viewers of that footage referred to it as unwatchable, which sounds bad on its face, I agree. But keep in mind, this was not a complete movie. It was just a bunch of stuff that had been shot so far. Still, Warner Brothers was nervous and the response from their crack team of stealth riders wasn't reassuring. All right, gang, here is where we get into the realm of pure conjecture. The mess that was Justice League's production is still shrouded in some mystery. There are multiple reports that around the time of this footage summit, Zack Snyder was fired from the project and Joss Whedon was brought in to save the languishing production. Several dispute this and insist that it was only in post-production that Joss Whedon took over. And it's worth saying, Whedon is best known for his work in television, namely Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Dollhouse, and my personal favorite, Firefly. But the Avengers secured his status as a true master of popular entertainment. Hell, he'd been in the same spot already with Avengers. Whether his influence came in during production or only after, he did enough to garner a screenwriting credit which is only given if you can show 31% or more contribution to a project. And in some cases, it is ridiculously easy to see Whedon's touches. So Zack Snyder left the production officially after the tragic death of his adoptive daughter, Autumn. Love him or hate him, it's hard to take a swing at a guy who has experienced such a devastating loss, so let's leave him be for a minute. With Justice League in disarray, Warner Brothers spent a lot of money on reshoots, about twice as much as most films. That may seem like a commitment to making this movie work, but their next decision would contradict that. Because of the need for more extensive reshoots, Henry Cavill famously had to return to set with a mustache needed for his role in the next movie he would appear in. So the production had to digitally erase the hair on Cavill's upper lip resulting in some uncomfortable appearances in the movie where Cavill's upper lip sort of wiggles. The CGI in general was panned on the movie's release, but Warner Brothers was rushing this movie out the door. It's as if, at a certain point, they understood there was no saving Justice League from the fractured tones and story beats, not to mention the characters, and so to get their bonuses before a coming merger with AT&T, they had to get rid of it. The merger was coming, and it might mean that some executives would no longer be there in the new year. If Justice League pushed to 2018, some of the executives that had signed off on this movie would walk away with nothing. If they wanted their Justice League money, the movie had to be released in 2017, dodgy CGI or not. Now, when it did arrive, the movie made about $658 million against a budget of roughly $750 million, making it a financial problem for Warner Brothers, who were very quick to silence the second Justice League movie. DC Films would pay a price as Jeff Johns was let go and horror producer Walter Hamada, who hit it big with all those James Wan Conjuring movies, was now in charge. Critically, the movie was faulted for being a lot of noise and bluster without much in the way of an engaging plot or villain, and the attempt to lighten the mood was noted, but set amidst the darker remnants of Snyder's film, even that fell out of place. Aquaman has since been released, as of this recording, and it's a big hit, and the Wonder Woman sequel is sure to get some success too. But the DCEU, sadly, is in a rebuilding season, still trying to figure out what to do with these iconic characters. I would argue that DC Films has been tasked with the impossible, 
to replicate the success of another studio in the exact same way, only completely different. What separates Marvel and DC in my mind comes down to DC's scattershot approach that lacks any rhyme or reason, and Marvel's ability to filter everything through the glorious, beautiful nerd brain of Kevin Feige. And a final note on Zack Snyder, who I sincerely hope is recovering emotionally. To restate the quote from earlier, Snyder has famously never seen the movie he is credited with directing. With his own vision altered by the production studio and Warner Brothers and any number of other chefs in this particular kitchen, I like the idea that Snyder was able to say to himself, this is not my movie, and simply and hopefully peacefully walk away. His quote, I mentioned at the top of this, came from an online interview when a fan asked what he thought of the scenes with the Russian family. His response, as I said, was, what Russian family? But what of Justice League? Is it really so bad? Isn't there something enjoyable about this team-up of DC superheroes? Can't a rewrite make something better? To answer that, I now bring to my good friend Chad, and you wonderful people, the action blockbuster with more amniotic fluid than any superhero movie you're likely to see this year, 2017's Justice League. Folks, welcome back to Pick 6 Movies. Uh, this is episode 4, uh, all the way into uh, season 5. Almost uh, in the in the act 3, this would be the turn into act 3 in a script. And here, uh, the, the, the buddy to my cop movie uh, is with me as well. Chad Cooper, how are you, sir? Bo, I'm doing great. I'm doing really good. I'm looking forward to talking about this. We got a lot of heroes. I think there's a villain. <laughs> I, I'm not exactly sure. I'm hoping you can explain things to me a little bit more. So, yeah, I'm 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 ready to go. Let's do this. Yeah, it's very exciting. And you had mentioned to me earlier that you you felt this movie was a bit of a of a slog to, yeah. to watch multiple times. Even I remember watching it once, and if you'd asked me what the runtime was, I would have said two forty five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's conservative <laughs> i think the movie was four hours but that can't be right i think it was two and a half really like in real in human time it's two hours it's the under two hours two. yeah, yeah. It's 119 minutes thanks to the mandate from the studio i think the movie is the better for it uh because oh. nothing makes sense it does not this is a wonderful mess but uh because it was such a slog and you were concerned that maybe uh the this won't be the funniest episode because it, it's kind of a bummer of a movie. <laughs> it's it's fine because what I have here, Chad, is the uh, the full page of IMDb trivia on the film Justice League. So in the event that the conversation seems to lull, I can go to a piece of trivia. Perfect. I did not look at any IMDb trivia. I just watched this and jotted down my immediate thoughts that I will share with you and anyone else who cares to listen. So uh, a quick example of this, just to <laughs> let uh, listeners know what they could be in for. Like, let's say we have a pregnant pause. What you will then hear is Wonder Woman first appears in the film standing atop a statue of a goddess. 
This is the Greek goddess Themis, or Justitia, to the Romans, better known in modern society as Lady Justice. So it's, it's a real thinker. That's going to perk up the show. <laughs> yeah, I thought so. <laughs> I was probably wrong. Here we go. So Justice League, let's just get into it. We start the movie, Chad, on a, a podcast being recorded on a phone, which kind of isn't how it works, but all right, let's go. These are kids. They're dumb. And they're shooting it vertical. Come on, man. Turn your phone landscape. Right. What are you doing? Who is this just strictly going on your vine? Because that's all that <laughs> that aspect ratio is good for. And and so these stupid kids are interviewing Superman. Children. They are children. They're they're under the age of nine based on the, the pitch of their voice. Right. And they're like, hey, how many people have you saved? And Superman's like, I don't know. This is the, like the attempt to humanize him and make him a nice guy. But... Because this was one of those, hey, we shot this on the back end of things, and this is uh, the mustachioed uh, Henry Cavill, there's a weird thing happening with his lip in this scene. And even though it's through this phone filter, it's disconcerting, Chad. It's uncanny, is what it is. I didn't notice it. I, I got to be honest. And I, I'd heard that there's some weird mustache things going on, but I, I, it didn't jump out at me. I'll go back and rewatch it. No, I won't. And see if I can notice it the second time around. There's no way that's ever happening. Th- their next question is, does that thing on your uh, chest stand for hope? The thing, which they're like, this other kid clarifies that, you know, he's talking about his S. And Superman says, why, yes, the chest emblem is like a river. It winds and twists like hope. And then he says, a man I knew used to say hope is like your car keys. Easy to lose, but if you dig around, they're usually close by. Is this supposed to sound like some sage silver screen wisdom? Look, I assumed it was something that Kevin Costner said in Man of Steel, which I have to confess I have never seen in its entirety because I get up to the point where Krypton is exploding and they start riding dragons around. And I'm like, this ain't the movie I want to watch. And then I turn it off. Dig around and your car keys are close by. That's not a pearl of wisdom. That's gristle of confusion. You know what? I don't think it was Podcant. I think it was like Crazy Howard, the one insane screwball of Smallville. My shop teacher back at Smallville High used to say, hope is like a chunk of wood. Whenever you think you've misplaced it, check under the door. Somebody's probably using it to keep it open. This is the first moment that I knew we were in trouble. I was like, oh, Good God, this is going to be awful. And in this scene, Superman's suit is so form-fitting. I have a question. Is it showing off his muscles, or does he have a built-in eight-pack of abs and light blue musculature woven into the fabric of this sapphire, slim, good-body unitard that he has on? You know, it's so restrained compared to the Batman outfit that it just, I lose it in the periphery, you know? Uh, once you see the veiny ass musculature on his on the Batman's outfit, mm-hmm. you're just like, "Holy shit! Why on earth would you make this thing?" All of the the male superheroes in this movie look kind of like garbage. Uh, <laughs> Superman doesn't look good. I don't like that suit because it's all reflective. It looks like a road sign, and the Batman. Uh, has that veiny gray suit, which is it looks cool in the comics, but I don't think it translates real well. to to the big screen cyborg is just a hot mess and then the flash has all those ropes tying the suit together that i think is real dumb so yeah i don't like any of that i mean 
not that anyone asked, but while we're, you know, doing uh, who wore it best <laughs> for the superheroes, I think Wonder Woman walks away by a country mile. I like that these podcasting kids get bored with Superman's rambling about rivers of hope and lost car keys. And their follow-up question for Superman, one of them goes, did you ever fight a hippo? And the other kid says, that's dumb, which it is a dumb question. But anybody who knows anything about hippos is fully aware that the hippo is the deadliest large land mammal. And it kills an estimated 500 people per year in Africa. But I wanted to ask you about, do you know what the leading cause of death is in Africa? Above and beyond hippopotamuses, that is. Uh, would it be, I mean, it's got to be disease, right? Some kind well, of yes, disease? Well, it, yes, it, it's HIV. Oh, sure. Yeah, of course. Do you think Superman ever fought HIV? If HIV became sentient and flew around like a like a swarm of bees or something, but it's just a swarm of AIDS... Good God, that sounds horrible. It does, but that's something Superman could fight. <laughs> what if Superman got HIV and had to fight HIV? You know what you'd name that movie, right? HIV v Superman. <laughs> I've been waiting all day to give you that one. <laughs> that's, it's so disturbing. More disturbing than your swarm of HIV bees? Yes. At least with HIV bees, you can close the door. You get a screen door, they're fucked. You have effectively <laughs> stopped the AIDS epidemic at a screen door. You might be a superhero. <laughs> yeah, I'm something, all right. So, the, yeah, they, they wrap up by saying, like, what is the best thing about Earth, Superman? And he's just like, oh, I don't fucking know. Murdering hippos? <laughs> right. Punching hippos right in the face. <laughs> they got big cheeks that are just so punchable. Looking at them, it, it's like they're begging to get sucked right in the puss. <laughs> and you know what I like, I like most about this scene is that this is the last time we see Superman for about 95 minutes. Yeah, right. Don't get used to it. We wrap this scene up, and then there's a newspaper being shit on by pigeons uh, that says, hey, Superman's dead. And then we see that uh, some robbers, uh, or a robber, is up on a, a roof. Yeah, he's this nameless robbers on this nameless location atop a nameless rooftop. And are we in Metropolis or Gotham City? Do, do you even know where the hell we are? Yeah, don't worry about it. Because um, right, everybody, okay. no matter where they are, everybody gets a chance to bust up a robbery. <laughs> and like, it, it is the laziest script that every introduction of a character is like, and then there are some robbers. So yeah, there's a robber. And there's like a, a bit where uh, is that the door he opens or a window he opens and you see the reflection of uh, the Batman on an opposite building, just kind of watching him being all, all Batman-y about it. Mm -hmm. And Batman swings in to get the drop on this criminal and he ends up like stringing the guy up. Well, when he strings up the guy, the burglar says, what do you want from me? And then Batman says, fear, I can smell it. Which I'm assuming no. he's referring to the smell of this guy shitting his pants. No, 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 Chad. He says he does say fear. He doesn't say I can smell it. He says they can smell it. This oh. is the this is the whole like the whole reason that Batman is setting up this sting operation uh, is, is not because he wants to stop this criminal. He just needs to scare the shit out of somebody, and he still has enough morality to not make that a civilian. I really thought he was talking about smelling shit in this robber's pants. <laughs> No, it, it's the uh, the parademons that can smell the shit. I got a story for you to share with others. I have a history of not paying attention when I'm watching movies very closely. <laughs> Years ago, when I saw Saving Private Ryan in the theater and the scene where Matt Damon's character dies 
uh, or excuse me, when uh, Tom Hanks' character dies in Matt Damon's arms. Do I have that right? Again, I don't pay very close attention. And in it, Tom Hanks says to Matt Damon at the very end, he's like, his dying words are, earn this. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you remember yeah, this emotional of course. Well, Yeah, because the, the whole end of the movie is him saying, you know, did I earn this uh, as right. his family? Yeah. I'm in the theater and I'm watching this and I hear Tom Hanks' last spoken words in that film weren't, it wasn't earn this. I heard him say, earnest. <laughs> and I'm looking around going, who the hell's earnest in this movie? I walked out of the theater just thinking, did I miss a character named Ernest? And it wasn't until I called you and said, hey, who was Ernest in this movie? And I think your words, as I remember them, was something along the lines of, you dumbass. He said, earn this. I was like, oh, are you sure he didn't smell shit in his pants? Because that's what I thought was going on. <laughs> yeah, there was a moment, though, a fleeting moment where you had to think, like, is like Tom Hanks on his death, like Nostradamusing Ernest scared stupid? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So the dude shits his pants and a parademon gets a whiff of it. <laughs> and so the, the parademons are like these robot demon things. From uh, a video game. Right. It's just the White Walkers from Game of Thrones, only they got wings and armor suits. I thought it looked like one of the sand people made a baby with a locust. Yeah. That's that's pretty close. Yeah. Or <laughs> like a mummy and a shark had a baby. And then you put that in a RoboCop outfit. This parademon picks up Batman and they fly around Gotham for a while or whatever city they're in. And they're kind of anger hugging each other and screaming and yelling. And then Batman does something that emits a sound, I think. And then the parademon just goes bananas. And then luckily they crash land back on the same rooftop from whence they took off. But which kind is of very convenient. It is convenient. But also, how come? What does it matter? He could be on any old roof. Why Why do we come back here? Just so we can have the conversation with the robber, I guess. But why does that matter? Because he's talking to Alfred. So any exposition that you need it, I don't know, man. It's one of those things where I'm like, oh, this is not well written. Batman pins the parademon to the wall using a bat net from his bat gun. And then the parademon explodes and disappears like in a video game. And I just want to stop here. For me, this entire movie continually begs certain questions like... What is going on? Who is that person? Where is this taking place? Why would? Are we supposed to? What the? And not to, and please don't forget, most importantly, huh? Because it's all nonsense. And like a lot of stuff happens in this movie, but none of it means anything. For example, for example, the criminal, like now that they're back on this roof and the the parademon blows up and leaves behind these three holes in the wall. Yeah, little squares, little glowy squares. Right, and so Batman gets on the horn with Alfred, and it's like, you know, I see another one. It's three holes again. And Alfred is like, yeah, it's like we've been seeing all over town. This movie really assumes that the audience knows all the characters and what the hell's going on in this movie. It really, it makes the assumption that you did the required reading before you showed up, which is okay if you're writing to a nerd-based audience, but you kind of need to make sure that you're speaking to an audience that may not know who these characters are or what the hell they're doing. Knowing the Batman, sure, that is probably something that most people recognize, but it, it's all over the place, man. They don't ever explain anything in right. this movie. But when he's talking about these three holes that they don't really ever explain again, other than they've seen him around. And I guess it's a eh, like if it's a symbol about the mother boxes, then why on earth when the parademons explode, does it leave a mother box symbol? 
Yeah, I mean, I it's just all like, I don't understand what any of this is. Even after seeing the movie three times now. I thought a guy was shitting his pants earlier. I mean, clearly, you've got a better read on this than I do. I'm, I'm a pretty critical observer of cinema. <laughs> and But so then this robber, just not for nothing, is like, so what is that, an alien? Is an invasion coming? Is it because he's dead? And Batman gets all stoic because, you know, he's Batman. And then he tells Alfred, like, I guess I'm heading north. And then jumps off the building and runs away. And, and Alfred, and they come back to Alfred and he's just like, good. And that's so he, just le- <laughs> he just leaves that burglar on the roof, hogtied to what, starve to death? Look, he was never there for that guy. That guy was, as soon as the parademon showed up, like the object permanence of that robber for Batman was gone. He no longer existed as an entity. You know what I like about the next scene is that we get the title credits and you're like, wait, the title credits. Aren't we like 30 minutes into this? Oh my God. We're only 10 minutes in. Yeah. It feels Oof. that way. Yeah. And, but it's all somber. Cause it's like the black background and it looks like there's a flag waving. And sure enough, here comes a good old fashioned Zack Snyder slow piano cover of a Leonard Cohen song sung by someone who is not Fiona Apple, but could totally be Fiona Apple. (laughs) Yeah, during the scene, we get to see the whole world mourning the death of Superman. And this whole movie is kind of bipolar. It's either wallowing in misery or it's awkwardly exhibiting bursts of inappropriate, unexpected levity. Like I I would say it in the intro, this is one of those movies where you can be like, I can't say this for sure. But it feels like Joss Whedon did that one, and he did yeah. that one, and he did that one. And, you know, like mm-hmm. like this is a Zack Snyder-ass scene. This, this whole opening of the slow motion shots of people being in the rain and everything's fucking gray and miserable. And we see people throwing flowers on on Superman's memorial. And all of this stuff. There's like there's a homeless dude with a sign that just says, I tried. And you're like, what? What did you try? What was the attempt? Did you try to fly? What happened? What is I? None of it matters. <laughs> when, when I was in my mid twenties, I worked in downtown Nashville, Tennessee. Once upon a time, I don't know if you've ever been there or not. It's a beautiful city. Um, I think it's called the Music City. I, I've heard. I don't like um, country music though. Nor should you. Uh, I headed to work one day, and a homeless guy came up to me, and he didn't ask me for money, but he approached me and said, "I'm not. I'm not going to ask you for any money, but I'm going to tell you two jokes, and if you like them, you can give me a tip." And I loved this. He had an angle. He had an act. I mean, he was sure. ready to sell me. Hit. I'm totally on board. As soon as I heard the words two jokes, I was like, this is going to be the greatest day of my week. Mm-hmm. And his first joke, I will never forget it. It went something like this. I hope we get the punchline just right. He said to me, he said, a guy comes into a store and he's looking to get some shoes. And the owner says his wife is not the one who runs the store. And the guy says he can't. So both of them don't. There wasn't a second joke after that. <laughs> Um, I gave the guy five bucks cause he was clearly mentally ill and I was sure. happy to just walk away without being stabbed, uh-huh. but it was awesome. That, yeah, that's bizarre that it, it's always, <laughs> it's fascinating. Anytime you, you like rub elbows with real crazy, you know, where you inadvertently <laughs> find yourself in a position of like, Oh no, this person is not completely at home. <laughs> I like the joke, I guess. Yeah. Maybe he was just, it was like a Dadaist type of humor sure it's all conceptual yeah. <laughs> during this opening sequence amy adams is lois lane and diane keaton is ma kent and they're all sad because superman's dead and then ma kent drives off in a truck 
with a U-Haul behind it. And we see that the family farm was foreclosed on, which that's the worst way to lose your house because that one, that one's on you, you know, like fire, tornado, hurricane, you could arguably blame God, but you know, foreclosure, get your finances in order. Just to examine from a, again, kind of a writing point of view here of like, how can we really ratchet up the stakes? I know. What if Ma Kent's house was getting fucking foreclosed? Superman's dead and the Kent farm is getting foreclosed on by the bank. And also Ma Kent is probably going to commit suicide. You know, it's just too extreme. To leap ahead to the end of this, at the very end of the movie, Batman takes some of all of his money and he pays to buy back the, the Kent family farm, which made me flash back to this scene in the movie, which I was just thinking, Batman's really upset that Superman's dead. Shouldn't he be aware that his mother's home is being foreclosed on? And just go take care of business early on. Right. I mean, the whole deal was that uh, the reason they stopped beating the shit out of each other in Batman v Superman is because their mothers shared the same name. Right. So he would have been like, I'm definitely going to get some action off Martha. (laughs) Also, during this sequence, there's a newspaper cover that shows a headline reading, did they return to their home planets? Wave of disappearing heroes. And it has three pictures. The first one's David Bowie. The middle one is Superman. And then the last one is Prince. Even in a tabloid, come on, Bowie, Prince, heroes? I mean, you know, they're they're musical geniuses, but hero? I will argue that at least Bowie did a song called Heroes. Yeah, you know what? For that matter, Prince did the soundtrack for Batman. Boom. So I stand corrected. (laughs) I like the scene in this opening montage where we get to see a white skinhead kick over some peaches and oranges at this bodega run by a woman in a a hijab and her small son. And then the cops rough this guy up, which made me think, hey, when did this movie come out? And I was like, oh, yeah, it was right after the 2016 election. This all lines up. And also, it is just the most blatant emotional uh, plea in this scene of just like, look how dark everything is. Like, look, this guy's kicking over fucking peaches. <laughs> <laughs> Not the peaches. And the the resulting emotion is just laughter for me. Of like, this is just ridiculous. <laughs> and and the homeless guy sign is the real capper for me. The the I tried is where I'm like, I don't even understand that. That's just funny. I don't care who you are. That's funny. And, and so we, because we've only got one trick in this movie when it comes to crime, we cut away from the homeless dude to a robbery happening downtown or what appears to be a robbery. What city and or country are we in? Is it London? Is it Paris? It's Wonder Womanville because that's where Wonder Woman is. Why doesn't this movie have location title cards to let us know where we are? Wouldn't that make more sense? Between the Cuisinart editing of this film, it was just like, does it tell a story that you can kind of follow? Nobody had time to ask, like, we need to do an insert shot here, right? Nobody had time for that. It was just like, good Lord, this movie's coming out when? Oh, fuck. It's like, (laughs) this movie is the equivalent of realizing that, like, you've got an essay due tomorrow. You know? Where it's just like, oh my God, I gotta do ten pages tonight? (laughs) <laughs> oh, fuck. All right, let me brew some coffee and start hitting the Wikipedia. This is going to be a long one. <laughs> a couple of white vans pull up in front of some random building, and then a bunch of white guys get out of the van, and they're brandishing some pretty crazy-looking assault rifle. And these thugs murder their way into this bank 
government building, museum, theater. I have no idea what they're going into. I was thinking bank just because somebody probably saw The Dark Knight. Yeah, but once you get inside, they show up and they got a briefcase full of bomb explosive-y type things. And they take all these hostages and the hostages are a bunch of children. Why would they be in a bank? <laughs> you know, the kids like to play bank. You know, make change and whatnot. Could have been a field trip, uh, a school taking some kids out to see how banks work. I don't know, man. I'm, you know, this is all fan fiction. Wonder Woman shows up and she lassos one of the. Before she shows up, Chad, she's just hanging out on a statue. Like we see her. La- it's one of those things that it's real nitpicky, but it's like, what is she doing up there? She's not Batman. She doesn't swing around. Wonder Woman, for the most part, earthbound superhero. You know, like she jumps and hops around uh, quite a bit, but hanging out on a big ass statue just to do it all day. Like it's where she does her morning meditation, man. <laughs> she goes up there, she clears her head and she's ready to go. Right. It's just like, it's almost like the scene was built for Superman where like his super hearing got tripped or something. But it's just like, yeah, Wonder Woman's wonder sense, I guess, tingles. <laughs> and she's just like, oh, I think there's a bombing afoot and and heads off. But yeah, so she busts in and uses a lasso to grab uh, one of the dudes just to find out, oh, it's not a robbery. They actually do have a bomb. And then the guy's like, but you're too late. The guy says that they're terrorists and that they know that sin has brought on this plague of aliens. Which, that is a real Pat Robertson point of view on how the world works. That sin brought an alien invasion? Look, there. yes, because there's this whole thing happening in this scene, again, to jump ahead a little bit, at the end of this scene when uh, the, the main terrorist asks Wonder Woman who she is, and she says, I'm a believer. And you're like, what does that have to do with anything? A believer in what? What is going on in this movie? <laughs> Looks, sins and the ways of man force the Lord God Almighty to send these alien creatures down to take care of the gays and the women who have jobs and the abortion doctors. I mean, it's as clear as the cross burning on your front lawn. <laughs> it's, it is pure nonsense. And so there's a, a bit where like Wonder Woman has to throw the bomb way up into the air and it explodes. But then the terrorist leader is like, well, if I can't blow these people up, I'm just going to shoot them, I guess. And then Wonder Woman uses her super fast bullet repelling bracelets and stops the dude that way. Okay, so for the, the comic book challenged, such as myself, Wonder Woman, this guy has a gun and he just starts spraying bullets at children. He's a bad guy. But she runs so fast that she can deflect these bullets. And then one bullet's going so fast that she moves a guy out of the way. Does she have the same super speed that the Flash has? Man, her powers are just all over the place in this movie. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, the, uh, my understanding was, no, she was this incredible warrior. And I get like, oh, she can jump far and stuff like that. She's super strong. Okay, fine. You know, she's an immortal goddess or whatever. But... Yeah, this super speed that she has is is weird. And this kind of, like I said, you know, she's got this spidey sense about like things are going wrong. Uh, I don't know where that comes from. It's it's really strange. You know, she deflects the bullets and 
uh, and ends up stopping the dude. I even I, I wasn't even making a note of like how did she stop him? Who gives a shit? She smashes her forearms together and blasts the guy back. I assume murdering the henchman or killing him. I don't know how that's going to play out in the court of law, but doesn't matter. Yeah. So then we cut. We cut to some mountains and some snow. Oh my god, man! All right. So finally, this movie uh, is going to tell you where it is by at least giving you the direction north, um, <laughs> which is good. <laughs> And it turns out, Chad, I think this is supposed to be in Iceland. Although I always assumed it was Alaska. It's, yeah, I think it's, I'm pretty sure it's Iceland because if you watch it with the closed captioning on, I turned closed captioning on it by this point because I really began to question that guy shitting his pants. Sure. And it does say that someone's speaking Icelandic. All right. So I think we are in Iceland. Um. So again, you know, nobody had time to, you know, Crayola, you know. <laughs> Iceland uh, on the movie and Batman uh, is making his way to into this village and he goes into the, I guess the local meeting hall slash bar you know slash copulating area I don't know like it's just the big building where everyone is it's filled with frail small toe-headed individuals <laughs> yeah. except for one man that is clearly Aquaman who is 12 to 18 inches taller and eight minimum of 150 pounds heavier than anyone else in the room right he also has crazy fish eyes and looks like he just got out of like a kegger at the pike house 10 years after he graduated right like he's the dude who keeps showing up yo bro we popping a kegger what (laughs) come on man it's thursday let's get this going i think it's great how they took the punchline that was aquaman from the uh, super friends tv show and they were just like look we're just gonna go in a totally different direction and make him a badass it's such an overcompensation (laughs) (laughs) it's like if you had a neighbor that every time you you exchange chit chat they assured you that they don't you know like jokingly like i don't have anyone in my basement and after the third (laughs) time they say it you're like man you've you've i need to call the police you've got somebody in your basement Batman talks to Aquaman during the scene in these cryptic tones about, you know, their enemies coming from far away. I'll give you $25,000 if you can introduce me to the man who brings the village fish. And Batman is supposed to be the world's greatest detective. But at this point, I don't think he knows this is Aquaman. And then the villagers show Batman a wall painting that shows Aquaman. It's a like a, a, a wall etching. <laughs> it is so clearly <laughs> Aquaman. Like, it might as well have a word balloon coming out of it that just says, like, you want to get some pizza, bro? <laughs> but he doesn't put this together at all. He looks back over at Aquaman and this, you know, giant Nordic long-haired tattooed wall of muscles. And he's like, so uh, I'll give you $30,000 if you can tell me what those cubes in that picture are all about. Like, is this how Batman became the world's greatest detective? Just bribery? Sure, yeah. Yeah. The Batman irregulars, the children that he was, uh, the <laughs> orphans that he would give money to to let him know what was going on on the streets. Yeah. Aquaman slam- slams him up against the wall, and he's like, wait a minute. You might be Aquaman. Arthur Curry? And it's like, <laughs> what gave it away? Was it clearly the godlike status that he possesses? Was it... The picture on the wall, was it the crazy face the guy has? The fact that it's a hundred and a million below zero outside and he's just wearing a t-shirt. He's wearing jeans, flip-flops, and a (laughs) Panama Jack hat. Right. Oh, man, I'm just going to take a walk, listen to some Jack Johnson, bro. You want to come with? 
Yeah, so then they just decide they're going to go for a walk. And this is yeah. where Ar- Ar- Arthur Curry, a.k.a. Aquaman, is like, I just want to be left alone, bro. I don't have anything here on the land. I ain't got nothing in the sea, man. Uh, it's just me. It's just Aquaman. It's AM hanging out, man. That's all I want. And, <laughs> and there's a total Joss Whedon moment. It's completely Joss Whedon. Where, where he says, you know, it's like they say, strong man, strongest alone, bro. And <laughs> Batman is like, it's not what they say. That's the opposite of what they say. It's almost like Joss Whedon popped into the frame. It was like, hey, everybody, look at that. Hey, make a little joke. All right. Uh, <laughs> see you later. Enjoy the movie. And then, <laughs> and then he fucks off. Yeah, ducks hey, out of frame. So after Joss Whedon, you know, leaves the movie, Aquaman is just like, so uh, you're the Batman, bro? Dress up like a bat? It's fucking crazy, dude. Anyway, see you later. And then <laughs> jumps into the water and is like, look how crazy fast I can swim. And then just like, there's, <laughs> there's an underwater sonic boom. And Aquaman is just gone, you know. Much to the movie's dismay, quite frankly. Because as, as dumb a performance as this is, it's the best thing about the movie. Jason Momoa is just through force of will. It's just like, I want to make Aquaman cool, bro. Just check it out. <laughs> and almost manages it. <laughs> we cut to the bat plane. And Batman and Alfred are, uh, they're talking. And Batman says, those squares in Luther's notebook, I think they're containers of some kind. Because Batman's smart. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. He does nothing detective-y in this movie whatsoever. Like, all the information he has, because now Alfred, it, it, like, Batman got all these files before, but Alfred still has to be like, remember Barry Adams, sir? And he's like, the fuck are you talking about? And he's like, you, you remember those files that they gave you at the end of the last movie? And he's like, I don't know what you're talking no, about. No, I don't. What was it? When did that happen? You were you were having dinner, sir. With with who? So he gives him the the down low on Barry Allen, who's the Flash. Yeah, the you know the kid's just super quick. Look here, he is uh, at a caught on surveillance camera and shit like that. Let Let me clarify. Batman's response is he can disappear. Uh, n- <laughs> no, sir. No. He's very, very fast. Oh. So he can turn invisible. Yes, sir. That's what he does. He turns invisible in one location and shows up in another location. Probably a, it's probably like a portal situation. Right. He's like uh, yeah. uh, Brad Pitt in Deadpool 2, just the invisible dude with a, like a parachute harness floating in midair on him. Might be a trap door or maybe as a twin. Alfred, have we considered that as an option? Twins? Alfred, I want you to give me a list of all the magicians operating in the city and circle the ones that are below the age of 30. (laughs) Alfred mentions Wonder Woman is in Paris, so they got to go get her soon. They mentioned Cyborg, who's a genius African-American, all-American football player who is reportedly dead. Uh So we got all the players. We just got to get the band back together. And as soon as you see Cyborg, you you can just start the who cares timer on this character because they are doing their level best to make Cyborg interesting, and he just ain't. How do Batman and Alfred know about these people and their abilities? And why are they looking them? What is their endgame? What threat are they going to face? Batman just learned about the parademons. Well, this movie doesn't say it, Chad, but in the last movie, Batman found all these files on Lex Luthor's computer. That, like, he had files on all the superheroes. 
And and that's what he was getting at that dinner at the end of uh, Batman v Superman. I, I I don't pay attention. Then, then recap it. Swamp Thing recap it for us. <laughs> yeah. No, you're not wrong, Chad. I'm the <laughs> asshole for being like, well, that's in the last movie. We cut to a prison where the Flash is visiting his dad, where he has been in prison for murdering the Flash's mom, which he may or may not have done. And in this scene, Mark McClure, who played Jimmy Olsen in Superman 1 and 2 and Supergirl, jab your buddy in the ribs and point that out when you're watching this movie. Um, <laughs> he's playing a, a security guard at this prison. And the Flash, when he's signing in to go visit his murdering dad, allegedly, he gets a little mischievous revenge on an impatient, ball-headed prison visitor who behind him in line. And the Flash uses his super quick speed to draw eyeglasses, a comical head scar, and a long handlebar mustache on this guy's face. Now, I get that the Flash is so fast that people don't see him do this, but wouldn't this guy feel the marker on his skin? And arguably, wouldn't it burn because it's moving so fast? <laughs> hey guys, Josh Wheaton here again. Hey, look how funny that is. Uh, don't worry about the practicality. Uh, all right, uh, see you later. And I mean, you're right, but it's one of those things of just like, oh, Flash, you are the living end. And this whole movie, he is so painfully adorable in this movie that it becomes grating of like, yes, there, there's a fine line between awkward and like rightfully shunned by society. He reminded me of Jimmy Fallon's impression of Stuart French on Celebrity Jeopardy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a little bit of that for sure. Well done. <laughs> the Flash goes in to see his dad, who's played by Billy Crudup, who was Dr. Manhattan in The Watchmen. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know why Billy Crudup's in this. I, and in it, a favor his to Zack Snyder. I guess. His hair in this scene has these gray wings peeking out, and he looks like a young, handsome Grandpa Al Lewis. <laughs> or or a Reed Richards uh, from the Fantastic Four. Needing a trim. Uh -huh. Our next scene, we cut to Silas, who's a middle-aged black man, played by Joe Morton. He's leaving the high-tech workplace, Cyberdyne, where he's been nope, diligently creating nope. uh, robotic technology that will eventually become the Terminator. Uh, that's, uh, nope, uh, Star Labs is where we are, Chad. Not Cyberdyne. I, I can see how you would mix up the two. This is Joe Morton, and we are in nope. a... Future Silas uh, is his name. Uh, he's uh, uh, Victor's father. And okay, so and he works at Stark Industries. <laughs> Star Star Labs is the name of it. Uh, so closer with the the Stark Industries, but Star Labs is where you want to end up. And I'm the asshole for not paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but as soon as you see him, it's like, oh my god, he is going to end up with a bomb and like. A plunger in his hand. That's sucking the only through. other movie I know him yeah. from. <laughs> <laughs> Silas is headed home. And this random janitor says, hey, I'm sorry to hear about your dead kid. And Silas says, oh, thank you. But my son's not dead. <clears throat> I mean, thank you. Yeah. yeah uh, I mean, it's been a real rough time. Anyway, <laughs> I got to go pick up dinner for two. One. One. Dinner for one. Because of my dead child. How many times has somebody randomly stopped you? You're like, hey, I'm sorry about your dead relative. I know that we're acquaintances at best. And it's clearly been some time. So I just thought, you know, I'd bring it up again. You seem to be doing pretty good lately. I 
thought you might need a reminder of your dead child. We cut to an apartment where Silas is now talking with his son, who is Cyborg. And he's got one red robot eye, and he's got metal robot hands. Uh, Cyborg and his dad, Silas, they spout off a bunch of nonsense about the mother box and a bunch of technology mumbo jumbo. And they almost make a full-on Dr. Frankenstein and monster reference, but... They don't. They should, but they don't. And here we learn that Cyborg's mom died in an accident. And Cyborg says that he has a language in his head that he doesn't speak. And based on how he's treating his father, my guess is that is the language of love. Mm, yeah. Yeah. No, he's a teenager. He's rebellious. You know, you see that in his behavior. Um, he's also <laughs> uh, concerned that the alien technology used to resurrect him may be turning him into a godless killing machine. Um, which feels like it's going to be a real big thing in this movie. And then it's kind of not. And he's like, Hey pops, check it out. I got rocket boosters in my feet. I couldn't do that this morning. It, that's my, one of my favorite deliveries of a line in this movie. Of couldn't do that yesterday. You know, I thought that was kind of, kind of a fun line. Um, but yeah, it's it, so yes. Yeah, Cyborg thinks he's going to become a monster. And, uh, his dad is like, no, no, it's going to be cool. <laughs> and, <laughs> I've got experience in this. <laughs> right. Oh, <wait. laughs> no, I, I was working for another company in another movie and oh, everybody died. Um, so, I mean, everybody. So, well, at least in one timeline. In another timeline, they didn't die. Uh, who could possibly care? There's only, As far as I'm concerned, there are two Terminator movies and we're done. Um, sometimes you got to take a stand, Chad. We come back to the janitor at Cyberdyne. He's mopping away, and then he gets attacked by a parademon in that scene. Well, kind of. It's one of, like, <laughs> because we're keeping it classy in this movie, Chad, it's just you see the silhouette of the parademon, and, and then, like, the janitor screams off camera, and you're like, oh, that's some unusual restraint for a Zack Snyder film. Um, and then on Wonder Woman Island, or whatever, the Mascara. Uh, the movie The Immortals shows up to do some bad costume design, <laughs> which is a note that like three people will get because that Immortals movie is, is unwatchable too. But the the costumes in this scene are as bad as that. And the Queen of I, again, I barely remember the Wonder Woman movie. It was fine, but whatever. Uh, she shows up to check on the Mother Box, which they they're just kind of hanging out with some amazonian guards uh and, and they've got a special like mother box building that has all these mousetrap doors and shit it looks like a tiered ancient greek theater and there's a good 50 female guards all pointing bows and arrows at the box and it's not doing anything or it hasn't up until this point which that's got to be a boring job you know what i mean don't you just <laughs> yeah. stand around all day waiting for the shift to end and then it, the high point of your day is essentially morning sam morning ralph and then you're off to run around in the green grass? Yeah, I mean, not since the wall people of Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull <laughs> has a gig seem so boring as a full-time job. Um, but yeah, so they're hanging out. They And they say, in fairness, they're like, well, the mother box has awoken. And while she and the guards are jibber-jabbing, it cracks open and light spills out. And then there's this big pillar of... The Star Trek beam me down technology that shows up right and and then what they beam down chad is a cgi Loki. diablo character i got i got a diablo joke later for you <laughs> but it is as soon as it landed it's like oh i think i fought that boss in the expansion 
Which was more interesting because of the portal stuff. Anyway. But yeah, so this is fuck Steppenwolf is this dude. Get your motor running. Head out on the highway. Looking for justice to be one. My note here is he took a magic carpet ride to Earth. <laughs> Quick side story on Steppenwolf. Uh, sure. Anytime. Um, you and I grew up with a kid named Ben Kennedy. Uh-huh. And Ben used to just uh, crank up music. And Ben was a, a, a kid born uh, many years after his closest sibling. So his parents were a little bit older. And uh, one day Ben left his house and he had uh, like an eight disc CD player on rotation, just playing random songs. And he had just blasting in the back of the house. And Steppenwolf, one of like, I don't know what, it, a Steppenwolf CD was in there. And his mother, who's a very sweet school teacher and it was a, a just kind of a pillar in their church was having a gathering of women at the house. But because she was an older lady, she didn't really know how technology worked. So she just let this, you know, insane 60s, 70s music just blare throughout the house during this meeting. And in it, um, one of the tracks that began to play was Pusher Man from Steppenwolf, which if you're not familiar with this song at the end, it essentially escalates to the lead singer screaming, God damn. The pusher man. I said, God damn the pusher man. And his sweet mother was in the back, just pressing all manner of buttons, <laughs> trying to end this horrible, horrible, right. <laughs> sacrilegious music that is just blaring throughout her house while she's holding the United Methodist tea service, uh, much to, to her embarrassment and uh, dismay. Huh. But back to our terrible movie. Thanks for all the Keep heresy along with the tea. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's rough. So... Keep that if you want. That's up to you. I just thought I'd share that with you. (laughs) So this shitty CGI character, you can't undersell how bad this looks. It's really unfortunate. It looks like if Liam Neeson was a cigarette that you fully smoked down without ashing it off. Yeah, but it it just, like, even as he speaks, like, just the face does not look fully baked. You know, like, when you think of something like, uh, I mean, a contemporary of it. When you saw Thanos in uh, that Infinity War movie, pretty good. Some of those scenes, you're like, that looks real. And this is never a, a movie where you see Steppenwolf and you're like, oh boy, I just got lost in the effects. You know, <laughs> I thought that was real. It's not just bad CGI. It looks like a bad Jim Henson puppet. It's like the mouth just sort of barely opens and bobs up and down. And it's just like, it's this uniform color. There's nothing interesting or colorful about Steppenwolf. He just has this helmet with a couple of horns on it. And, and that's it. I mean, he just, he's this kind of grayish monster in a grayish outfit that the only color you see is that, you know, because apparently I had some acid from college kicking in. When he swings his axe, there's some red trails following it. And I was like, and and then when I see that now, I'm like, boy, Mandy was a really good movie. The Amazon queen grabs the cube and she runs off, uh, but not before a bunch of parademons come flying out of this tube to make this a really exciting action sequence. Um, right. A bunch Steph- of monsters that don't mean anything are fighting a bunch of characters we don't know. All right. (laughs) Steppenwolf chases after the Amazon warriors who have the cube. And in this, I will say this is one of the better action sequences of the movie, which is not saying a lot. And surprisingly has by my count, none of the movie's superheroes in it. Yeah. Well, the Amazons uh, are basically playing that game where you, you put uh, a dollar at the end of some fishing line 
with this box <laughs> where every time Steppenwolf thinks he's about to get the mother box, they're like, yoink. And he's like, oh, <laughs> Amazons. Well, a bunch of these Amazons get killed. And to your point, nobody gives two shits about any of these characters. And then Steppenwolf, t- and then Steppenwolf tells the Amazon queen that eventually she will love him, that everybody will love him. And that's what he wants everybody to love him. Which my question for you is, is that what Selena wanted in Supergirl? Worldwide love and worldwide domination yeah and but in this case i I mean good lord drop that gardener onto this island that that guy's getting fucked eight ways from sunday you know what i'm saying chad i got news for you though (laughs) that guy ain't getting fucked on this island oh you don't think so no i do not the mascara not lesbia I always say, like, when Chris Pine showed up, I can't remember. I I remember so little of Wonder Woman. But I I always wondered, like, when he showed up in that movie, like, Chris Pine washes ashore, wouldn't everybody on that island just be like, oh, it's a man, you know? No, I think it's like, oh, it's a man. (laughs) Well, we've got to cast him back to the sea where he'll undoubtedly drown. (laughs) More power to him. But, yeah, so after the Amazons uh, are like, oh, my God. Steppenwolf grabbed the mother we box, lost the box yeah and, yep. and then poured it away the queen is like we've got to order the the signal fires lit and everyone acts like this is a big hairy deal they're like oh this hasn't happened in a thousand years heavens to Betsy light the signal fires are you sure and it's like this is really where a cell phone just like Diana drop off a cell phone onto the <laughs> island just be like just use it instead of the the fire arrow if it comes down to it, if you need to get my attention, you don't have just to call me. Give me, a, you know what? Just send me a text. I, I'll get it. Yeah. Just give me a jingle. Like the numbers programmed in. It's like one of them old people phones where it's just a big button with Wonder Woman's face on it that they've got to hit. It's the Amazon jitterbug. <laughs> so the one of the better wham covers. <laughs> Wonder Woman's at her day job dusting statues with paintbrushes. And she sees on the news that the eternal flame has been lit and she utters the word invasion. Which Invasion of what? Of who? From where? What size? Like, if you just saw this, like, I don't know what any of this means. I Right. And it, it begs the questions like, so does a signal fire at this location mean invasion or just a signal fire in general means invasion? What if you have another kind of emergency that you need to let her know about? Is that like, okay, well, instead of lighting this thing on fire, we've got a, like a big bomb arrow and we're going to blow up one of the faces on, you know, Easter Island. And that means that there's been an earthquake. And we need her to get back. I like in the next scene when Joss Wheaton shows up with some hilarious dialogue in the form of a TV anchor introducing a woman being interviewed about how her husband, the janitor at Cyberdyne, was abducted by aliens. All right, and I quote the woman in the TV newscast. She says, these aliens are going to fucking probe him. They're going to come down to Lakeview. I'll stick a probe up your alien ass. And this is all bleeped out. And one, how does she know her husband was abducted by aliens? Two, why is this scene in the movie? Yeah, it's uh, that's a real head scratcher. That was the question I had was, how does she know? Like, she just knows her husband didn't come home. And uh, look, Chad, I hate to be a real negative Nelly here, but if she is that excitable, maybe he just needs a break. You know, <laughs> maybe he booked a hotel for a night. And it's just like, you know what? I'm going to pay for this tomorrow. But tonight, I'm going to go to sleep in silence. Let's throw some cold water on that red hot scene of comedy as we next get Lois Lane. <laughs> 
Remember, right. she's in this movie. Cut back to she's the Zack Ma- Snyder movie where it's like two people miserable at a table. It's really a sweet Lo- spot. Lois Lane <laughs> and Ma Kent are brooding over coffee and tea. And in my opinion, Diane Lane is too young and beautiful to play Ma Kent. Hell, in my opinion, she could play Lois Lane in this movie. She looks younger than Margot Kidder did when she played Lois Lane in the original Superman. Yeah, well, Margot Kidder looked like she was 42 when she was 16. If you know what I mean, Chad. <laughs> Amy Adams has always felt like an odd casting choice for Lois Lane. I like Amy Adams, but she's not Lois Lane, yeah. in my opinion. Well, and and I guess it's because you never get to see her be feisty or be Lois Laney in this movie. She's just constantly like, I'm really, really bummed out about Superman's death. I mean, that's her vibe through the whole film. Until he comes back and then she's like, I'm really, really bummed that you gotta go off and fight with justice league i like in this scene where ma kent tells lois lane that clark wants to describe lois as the thirstiest woman he ever met and then she clarifies it and says the hungriest woman he'd ever met both of these are equally offensive to a woman you're either a drunk or a hog right well i i took thirsty by its more modern parlance chad where it means that she's super horny. Good God. I did not get that read. That's what I was thinking. Maybe it's because I got a, a little bit of a crush on Amy Adams. I'm like, ooh, Amy Adams all <laughs> horned up. Let's get all <laughs> nocturnal animals up in here. Lois says that writing her stories were about seeing the pieces of the puzzle of an engine when the world still made sense and you ran your car keys around here somewhere. You just got to look for them. The dialogue in this whole scene, is trying to be deep and meaningful. It just comes across as confusing. It sounds like a poorly edited fortune cookie. <laughs> yeah, welcome to Snyderland, Chad. I don't know <laughs> if you uh, saw the the miraculous film uh, uh, Sucker Punch, but no. but that same genius is responsible for this film, and it's just as dumb. So. <laughs> Yeah, so after Ma Ken is like, boy, I'm sure sorry my house got foreclosed on, and I'm just living on the streets, I guess. And and Lois is like, yeah, I just can't write a story anymore because life, much like everything in this scene, has lost all its color. Sigh. Yeah, and then it's just like, huh, next scene, everyone. And like, curtains close. (laughs) Right, and there'll now be a 10-minute intermission. (laughs) Right, where we play the, you know, love theme from Justice League, <laughs> Danny Elfman's subtle score. We kept a cyborg. He's hanging out in his bedroom, and now his robot hands have evolved to display holograms uh, that have computer displays that show Batman intel on them. Why is this happening? Somebody saw Ghost in the Shell? I don't know. I don't know, Chad. I don't know why it's a big deal, because, again... I can't remember a time when this comes up again in the movie. It doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. And so let's get back to the Batcave because Batman's there. He's working on some troop carrier and he's, you know, banging around with like a wrench. He's maybe turning a bolt or just clanging to make it sound like he's working on something. Alfred's <laughs> remotely providing him with ringtones via his laptop that Batman will hopefully recognize as the sound that drove the parademon bonkers a little earlier. So while he's working on his super plane, uh, Wonder Woman shows up. He says, an invasion is coming. And she says, oh no, it is already here. And I I know a lot of people really like Gal Gadot's performance as Wonder Woman. I'm not one of those people. I think it's, it's a real wooden performance in this movie. So she says, here's the deal with Steppenwolf, who it turns out is just an alien who wants to terraform Earth to be a hell world like his home planet, which will turn everybody into a bunch of parademons. 
And that's kind of it. You know, that's the whole thing. It's just like, I'm going to have this world. And the the reason given for the character's need to destroy Earth is that he once tried to take over the Earth this way a thousand years before. And the all the realms of creatures joined together in a way that was entirely unlike Lord of the Rings, Chad. I don't want I want you to throw that far from your mind that uh men and mer people are the Atlanteans and the uh uh what are, what other lep, lep leprechauns leprechauns they're, they're gods the gods because we see Ares and Artemis show up uh who are kind of in the DC universe kind of There's there there are Herculeses, there's some warlocks, I believe there's some Selenas in there. I think there's a ghost uh, army there's uh, an army of woodchucks that's an entirely different timeline. Um, it's one of the Earth 37s. Uh, there's some Green Lantern folk rolling around. But anyway, it's all these people that came together to defeat Steppenwolf, and then they do. And then Steppenwolf's all butthurt about it. Uh, and they like when it's like, oh, the, the tide has turned, and his parademons are dragging him back onto his ship, and they're like, no, no, you lost. And uh, he's like, I'll be back, you bastards. I like when Bat- Batman and Wonder Woman are strolling down by the river, <laughs> and Batman says, Steppenwolf took the box your people were guarding. That means there must be two left. <laughs> and one and Wonder Woman says, I'm impressed. Which I think it's sarcasm. It has to be sarcasm because Batman's next words are, don't be. I have no idea what's in them. Because Batman's a real ding dong in this movie, man. <laughs> I think, no, I think, I don't think that was sarcastic. I think she was legitimately saying like, normally you seem so stupid. I'm impressed that you understand the concept of three minus one being two. <laughs> Wonder Woman tells Batman that the boxes don't contain power, but they are power. Like your car keys, which if you look for them... They're around here somewhere. Yeah. Superman told me that once and it really, you know, it it it, it really stuck with me. <sighs> Wonder Woman also explains that the mother boxes, you know, they're all from outer space, but when they combine, they create this primordial hellscape. Those are her words, which does that mean that aliens from other worlds believe in the concept of hell? No, it's just they live in real shithole planets. And Wonder Woman's like, "We don't need that shit here." All right. Do you know Ron Reagan, the son of President Reagan? He doesn't believe in hell. He's a proud atheist, and he isn't afraid of going to hell. I saw that on TV. <laughs> did he tell you that? Was he the one who said it? Yeah, he did. Huh. He is a <laughs> he's he's outspoken. Uh, and, and and in a move totally unlike the Lord of the Rings again, Chad. I don't want you to think these two are in any way related. They give one of the rings to each of the race. I mean, boxes to each of the races. And are like, just go fucking hide this shit in case he comes back. Put it somewhere and like put a bunch of people around it and aim shit at it. I, I'm like, well, what is the point of them aiming any? Like, it's not just here. It's in Atlantis, which we'll see in a second, of people standing around this thing being like, sup, make a move. Make a move box. <laughs> I like when they give one box to the Amazons, one to the Atlanteans, and then they give one to mankind and mankind just takes it out in the woods digs a hole three feet deep and drops it in there right like they're burying a dead cat (laughs) right they put a little you know stone there and kind of carve into it here lives frisky the for when he's sleepy (laughs) for when he's hungry and when it's nighttime uh what was the name of the parrot 
or the the bird it's like a parakeet Twe- tweety tweety yeah god damn it tweety. that's what i was thinking of is like i couldn't put together the god damn it tweety <laughs> can we get a hamster <laughs> man that movie's good that what why why don't we watch that movie because it's not as fun to talk about yeah, good movies. Right. We've accidentally done that a time or two. Yeah, you're right. You're <laughs> Let's right. get back to All right, so, movie. <laughs> so Batman and Wonder Woman, they wrap up their romantic stroll by the river, and Cyborg is hiding in the woods watching them. That's important for later. Right, like a like <laughs> a killer in a, a horror film, like Cyborg Jason, which, by the way, yeah. uh, happens in Jason X, one of the finer entries in the series, if you ask me. Indeed. Batman goes to visit Barry Allen, a.k.a. The Flash, and he's living in a real shithole, but he's watching like 12 TVs at once because he's got super fast ADD. And Batman um, is like, hey, I'm Bruce Wayne. I want you, uh, you're Barry Allen. I know you're fast because I see your suit and it's made of stuff that comes from the space shuttle to keep it from burning up. And you seem like a real weirdo. And that's superhero written all over it. And to prove that, because Barry Allen initially is like, no, I'm not the Flash. And so uh, Batman hurls a batarang at him. And time slows down. And Barry Allen just watches it kind of go by his face. And then plucks it out of the air. And is like, oh my god, you're Batman. And Batman says, hey, uh, there, there's some shit going down and we need your help. How many other movies have you seen this same shtick done? Because when I see it, my head immediately goes like in reverse order. That last X-Men movie mm-hmm. where the guy or that X-Men movie a couple times or a couple movies back where he's zipping around in, you know, super fast motion, everything's slow. Then I go back before that. There was an animated film called Over the Hedge that had Bruce Willis and Gary Shandling voicing a raccoon and a turtle in it. And that happens in that movie. And then I go back to an episode of Futurama where Fry got all jacked up on caffeine and he did that. I mean, in watching it, it's like, yeah, this is great, but I kind of seen this over and over and over again. In fact, shit, I saw it earlier in this movie when somebody was trying to murder a bunch of children with Wonder Woman around. Mm-hmm. Let me just go ahead and say this right now. I don't like the Flash in this movie. No. I, I don't. He's not. He's supposed to be the comic relief, and it just stands out so brazenly against the tone of the rest of the film. It reminded me of like Rob Schneider in Judge Dredd or Chris Tucker in The Fifth Element or that fat Southern sheriff in those Roger Moore, James Bond movies. It is so incredibly out of place. And I get maybe if the movie had some some other characters or elements that could bridge the nebbish wackiness of The Flash with the stoic brooding seriousness of the rest of the movie, it might work better. But it just to me, just I don't know, it's it's so tonally mismatched with everything else going on oh speaking of tonally mismatched chad joss whedon's bald head pops back into the film he's like (laughs) guys get ready for something cool batman is like hey get in the car and uh we gotta take off because you're gonna be part of the justice league now um get in the mercedes right and so they get in and he and uh barry allen says so what is your superpower again and then the bald head pops up guys and uh, and, and uh, Batman says, "I'm rich." Fuck Batman in this movie. <laughs> he's, he's he's just a dumb rich guy. And who, look, we'll get into it, but who also just has like super tanks at his disposal <laughs> but, that he apparently builds and invents and and maintains, and he solves crimes and he fights bad guys. Does he do all of this for? 
you know, Batman Industries or whatever. Right. Like, I understand that you don't want to do exactly what the Nolan trilogy did, but having a Lucius Fox is not that big a deal. Like, we all... Delegate. Right. Uh, you need that dude that's like, look what I built for you, Mr. Wayne. And... Yeah. Cool. Done. So, Alfred and Diana are hanging out together, because Alfred's trying to make a little time. And uh, he's like, so, you're on Amazon, you say? Um, I'm quite old. I remember lots of things that I'm sure you remember, too. And... <laughs> Shut shut up, shut up. I am trying to chat online with Cyborg. <laughs> right, Cyborg IMs her. And uh, it's like, hey, why, why are you looking for me? And uh, she's like, well, I want to meet, and I want to meet face-to-face. And he says, he says, he says, okay. Right. And then, Al, Al, and then Alfred's nearby, and he says, well, it looks like you've got a date, Wonder Woman. It's about time someone around here did. Yeah, by the way, fuck you, Alfred. If you're trying to get Batman laid... Don't just start throwing stuff out there like, he just never gets laid, Madam Diana. I did, that was not my read. My read was that Alfred is lonely and needs companionship. And I think he was just throwing out the welcome mat to see if anybody wanted to come knocking. <laughs> right. He was like, look, you're barking up the wrong tree with Bruce. But there's somebody in the bad cave that would be willing to give you a thumbs up, Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman uh, then like takes off to, to meet Cyborg. She drives her Mercedes. <laughs> Because all these characters, like even the Flash in this, is like I'm so poor. It's like you got 14 fucking TVs <laughs> and a and a ton of square footage. I don't care if you're squatting or not. That's not a bad place. So anyway, yeah, Wonder Woman uh, drives her super fancy sports car to meet Cyborg, uh, who is just hanging out in the alley and does a, like a real. I, I snuck up on Wonder Woman somehow. Like she can hear potential terrorists from a statue away, but Cyborg, a guy made a fucking metal. It's just a little too stealthy for her. And, I guess. Ugh. And it's just the little things, people, that just make your movie suck. She's like, you know, you've got to help us because of all these gifts you've got. And he's like, you think these are gifts? I think they're fucked up. And she's like, no, no, they're good. You should be part of us because we are good, too. We're the Justice League. Come join us. And he's just like, fuck you. And then just takes off. And it's a real nothing of a scene. Like, I can't tell you what this scene accomplished, if anything no all right good and so then we go to see where finally it's like oh okay now i perk up because i see water and you know who lives in the water chad <laughs> aquaman hold on oh yeah 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 he's in this movie right and so there's a ship sinking and a dude is like uh ah, i'm going down in these choppy waters at night and uh aquaman is like i got you bro and <laughs> And, like, zooms up and grabs him. And the next time you see him, he's back in the same bar in Iceland. And God only knows if that's where this dude on the boat was going. It's just where he ended, <laughs> ended up. He'd be thousands of miles from home, for all we know. Aquaman goes inside and he tosses this rescued sailor onto a table. And then he just immediately starts drinking uh-huh. uh, out of a glass. And then he looks down and he's got what Jordy Verrill would call meteor shit all over his fingertips. Right. And he's just like... The hell? Man, I, some goddamn exploded on me, bro. I don't know what it was. It's like somebody put some uh, Nickelodeon gack in a water balloon and I just squeezed it in my hands. It's fucked up, bro. All right, uh, I've, I've been drinking enough whiskey. Time for me to go Sonic Swim for a little bit. Uh, hey, y'all got any white stripes on the juke? That'd be pretty cool if you fired up some white stripes. Boom. 
Oh, yeah, right, fucking right on, bro. All right, I'm going to go outside. Look, the spray's coming up. There's a fucking sign saying, don't swim here. Fuck you, sign. I'm Aquaman. Let's go, bro. And then dives into the surf. That is the living best, man. Everything about Aquaman is just so stupid. Let me see if I can sum up... Um, what happens in the next scene? Aquaman, as you noted, is all liquored up. He swims to the bottom of the ocean where he and his people proceed to lose their mother box to Steppenwolf. Right. He's going to go look up an old girlfriend or something. I don't even know why he's going other than to just be like, man, I tied one on. Let's see what Mira's up to, bro. Got to do a little fucking drunk dialing underwater in the Marianas Trench. I want to do some trenching of my own, bro. Sorry. <laughs> I can do that literally all night. I'll be happy to sit and listen to it, man. So after they lose the box, we cut to Russia, maybe Yugoslavia. <laughs> Some it's Russia. It is Russia. I, I but and we're near Chernobyl. No, maybe, no, no, no. It's not Chernobyl. Near... They they use a make up name later. It's it's so they're they're near Chernobyl. They're near they're near Chernobyl. Yeah, I think Ch- wherever they are, Chernobyl. I think is what it's called in the movie. It's their alternate. <laughs> Because nothing is too creative in this film. Let's not get crazy. Like We live in Blusha near Chernobyl. <laughs> There's a family living in this brick shelter with a shotgun mounted on the wall. They're clearly doomsdayers, right? <laughs> they are straight up squatters, man. They are people who had no home of their own. This land was all abandoned after the nuclear accident. And they're just like, you know what? Let's roll the dice. I think a little cancer's worth it. Outside, there's a cooling tower from a nuclear plant. Yeah. And inside the cooling tower, there's a swarm of parademons that just comes flying out. Inside this tower, Steppenwolf is reuniting the boxes to cleanse the world. This is a real fire and brimstone view of punishing mankind. Lots of vengeance. Steppenwolf wants to be one of the new gods, whatever that means. Isn't he an alien? What is the new gods are a Jack Kirby thing. It's it's the new gods was a a comic series uh, in the DC universe. I thought it was the follow-up to the Traveling Wilburys. Oh, man. I'll check on that. Who would it be, though? I mean, you've already got... Tom Petty's already a Wilbury. Could they cross the streams like that? Could he be a Wilbury and a... Anything's possible. Especially when Jack Jack Kirby's involved. Um, (laughs) And a new god. Let's get back to Cyborg's apartment, and his dad, Silas, shows up. He has a He's had a hard day at Cyberdyne, creating nope. the prototypes for the T-1000. Well, no, he's at Star Labs, Chad, uh, and, and working on uh, a mother box thing. The apartment is ransacked, and then Silas, he gets abducted by a parademon. Um, we cut to J.K. Simmons, who shows up for about 30 seconds as Jim Gordon. It turns out that the cops think that the parademons that are abducting people might be Batman. Jim Gordon's like, no way. It's, not, it's definitely not Batman. Batman then introduces the Flash to Wonder Woman, and the bat signal goes off. And then Cyborg returns home to find that his dad's abducted. Um, my description of this is taking a lot longer than the actual scenes we're watching. Batman shows up on the rooftop to talk to Jim Gordon, along with Wonder Woman and the Flash. If I could, Cyborg yes. also sees the bat signal. When he when he comes home and finds his dad gone, he turns around and there's the bat signal to let him know, like, oh, I can still be part of this movie. <laughs> well, it's at this point, Batman shows up and he talks to Jim Gordon on the rooftop with Wonder Woman and the Flash. And Jim Gordon says... Uh, yeah, there are eight people that were abducted by Cyberdyne. I think they're using them to create Terminators or something. <laughs> and then Cyborg shows up and says, actually, it was nine people that were abducted from uh, Stark Laboratories. And Iron Man's involved. I'm like, oh, okay, shut up. You're in the wrong movie. Oh, um, guys. Hey, uh, I'll, 
just stick around. There's going to be some pretty funny for you here in a second. I'm going to let you take this joke. I purposely left it out of my notes because I just put that they all need to go down into the sewers and they disappear to go fight crime. But if you want to beat that drum, go for this it. Is- I hated the flash in this. <laughs> yeah, it's... the. It's the trailer moment of like Jim Gordon is saying his thing and he is turned away from the heroes. He turns back around and everyone's gone except for the flash who says, Oh, did they just leave? Oh, that's rude. And then he takes off and it's a real, yeah. Oh guys, look, the flash doesn't know how to superhero yet. All right. See you later. We're down in the steam tunnels and they take some Batman invented night crawler. Uh, to romp around. What the fuck is this thing? It's like a tank where the treads in- could separate and walk around on legs, but it can also climb walls. And they call it a, the Nightcrawler. Like, it is. If we had this thing, there would be no more Cold War or nothing. We would just be the dominant superpower on the planet. Steppenwolf's down in the steam tunnels beating up that janitor. And then he starts beating up Silas and a bunch of other nameless Cyberdyne workers. Wait, wait, wait. Also, one quick thing, man. So we abducted the janitor, Uh kept him here under the steam pipes or whatever. Meanwhile, Steppenwolf is also commuting to Russia where his base is. Yep. And then coming back to deal with these hostages. He's got those blue uh, slider tubes. He can just zoop, zoop. Yeah, all right, fine. Then why didn't he just zoop him back to Russia where ain't ain't nobody going to find him there? Check and mate. You have won this match. I, I can't. I you know The fact that I could even talk about the blue tubes, I was so impressed with that. That conversation is what happens in my brain nonstop. <laughs> Watching this movie. No, not just during this movie, Chad. Just in my walking around time of like, hey, do you think Spider-Man, like when he just webs up backpacks around the city, do you think there's just eventually... Just rot away, and the backpack just falls. People can find your shit. Does he remember where he put everything? In this scene, um, I'm going to keep us moving forward. In this scene, the Flash uh, tosses in some more comic relief, and he tells Batman that he's really a coward, which this is a great moment for a superhero in a movie. I'm afraid of everything and frightened. I don't know how to do my job. I shouldn't be here. And he never really learns how to be a hero. And even at the end, he's kind of a coward. Yeah, um, well, it's just that they forgot and they did the same scene twice where like in this scene, he's like, I don't know how to do this. And Batman's like, just save one person, which in a different movie, this could have been a nice scene where he's like, just save one person. And he's like, well, then what? And he's like, then you'll know. And they don't really do anything like they don't comment on that. They don't pay it off. Right. They don't bring it back around. And, I, yeah. and there's not even like a look on his face or anything really where it's like, oh, he realizes that this is what he's meant to do or anything. It's just like, all right, well, he just, he saves another person. And I guess that he's learned that he wants to save people. I don't Who could know? So Batman then jumps into the business with all the parademons fighting uh, Wonder Woman and Cyborg. Everybody starts kung fu fighting. It's just a full on, you know, Donnie bro. Right. And then Barry does save somebody. And then, like I said, we said that doesn't pay off at all. And then Batman then like radios uh, Alfred for the Nightcrawler. And Alfred's like, I thought you'd never ask, sir. And it's like, well, then fucking send it. If you thought he needed it, like, don't <laughs> wait around. Don't stand on propriety. If you think your boss is in lethal jeopardy, unless you really are trying to put the moves on Wonder Woman, then in which case he's like, you know, Batcave minus Bruce <laughs> equals Alfred and Diana. It's the Alfred. Uh huh. 
I'm in this scene. Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman does all the heavy lifting in this battle. She's beating up everybody. Nobody else is really doing anything. And then she loses her sword, but the flash zips over and sort of gives it back to her. And then the flash trips and falls, showing that he's an even lesser of a superhero. He also lands on top of Wonder Woman and gets up real quick because it looks like they were in a missionary sex position. How embarrassing for him. He doesn't sell like, oh, I accidentally fell on you and then got up because he's practically whistling and looking up at the sky like a cartoon. (laughs) She's like, oh, Barry, you are the living end. Here the Flash gets shot in the leg and then Cyborg attaches his robotic body to Batman's Nightcrawler. Oh, he interfaces with it all dirty like. But then he shoots two rockets at Steppenwolf who catches him and then... Cyborg does nothing in this battle. Steppenwolf throws the two rockets at the wall of the tunnel, which starts to fill with water because they're underneath a harbor or something like this. And then all of this water is pouring in. Water, water, what are we missing? Hey, bro, check it out. I'm back in the movie, man. Hey, what's going on? A bunch of water coming in here. Oh, stop it. Look, I'll hold the trident out and look all badass, man. Her, don't come in here, water. Why does he show up? He's just, you know, because he that's what this movie is. It's Everybody escapes. They all get topside. And it turns out, you know, that Steppenwolf has taken the mother box from Atlantis. And Aquaman is letting them know that, you know, they're about as incompetent as the Atlanteans. Wonder Woman beats Batman to the punch and says, they only need the one protected by man. The one, you know, that's buried three foot deep. In some dirt out in the woods. Right. Like, But my understanding at this point, this is where Cyborg just shows up and is like, nope, got it. We don't, don't, even, right. don't even have to go out to the woods or nothing. Here it is. And <laughs> Uncle Man's just like, all right, right old man, high five. Shit. Thanks for saving us the scene, I guess. And <laughs> so then we cut back to Russia to this family that's just like, hey, hey, we're still here and we're running out of food. See you later. Yeah, they live in this like dilapidated hovel that, Charlie Bucket could only dream about. <laughs> and inside, the the little girl grabs a can of bug spray from under the sink, and they really show a close-up on this bug spray, and they never do anything. <laughs> oh, it is. It's a real, like, hey, pay attention, folks. Yeah. 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 I'm telling you, man, the fact that this movie even came out is a fucking amazing accomplishment. Our five superheroes go down to the Batcave and then Flash is zip-zopping around and he's beep-bopping on all of Batman's doodads. And Cyborg then tries to provide some backstory on how he got the cube. And he says that the British found it in World War One because they were digging around looking for dead cats. <laughs> and then they put it on a shelf until Superman died. And do you know who they're talking about when they say this Superman I was I went back on Wikipedia and looked it up and I was like apparently he's another superhero but it was weird that they would be talking about um, that's just what the movie becomes and one one quick character note here a thing that I don't know if it was in the script or not but I, it makes me laugh uh, a legitimate laugh in this movie is there's a cut to Aquaman where he's he's standing by like Batman's workbench and you see him very subtly pocket something off the workbench. And, and yeah, the, it, he steals something. It never pays off, but I just like the fact that he's like, whoa, <laughs> look at that. I need one of these, bro. What is that? Huh? Eight sixteenths? Oh, man, I need one of those. You know how hard it is to get an eight sixteenths in Atlantis, bro? It's one right An eight sixteenths. Hey, hey, it'd be a, hey. It'd be a one half. <laughs> no, that's what makes it so special, man. Hey, 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 look, hey little rich boy ain't never going to know it's gone. 
<laughs> Sell this on eBay. I could probably get two, three dollars out of this, man. I tell you what, <laughs> just living out my mom's house, <laughs> selling some shit on eBay. Why tell them it comes from under the shit under the sea, man? I can sell anything like combs, mares, anything, man. I get like ten bucks, ten bucks extra. Just say, hey, this is underwater, bro. Under, underwater, five ninety nine shipping anywhere. You know why, bro? I swim it over. I pocket that. <laughs> he pockets the shipping cost by delivering his own eBay sold products that he's pilfered from the bottom of the ocean and the Batcave. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> nice work if you can get it. <laughs> oh, that's a long tail on that kite. Um, <laughs> but it, oh, it tickled me. They are so after Cyborg is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what the mother box is. Bruce is like. Hey, yeah, right, everybody. Remember Superman? They're like, what the fuck is he talking about? Oh, right. The the dude that was dead at the beginning of the movie when the homeless guy had the I tried sign for no reason. Everybody is like, that's a stupid idea because Batman's like, here's what we got to do. We'll use this alien box and and use it. to. The Kryptonian ship has an amniotic chamber. It's like, ew, it's disgusting. And we can take Clark... And this box in the big pregnant room. And I don't know, I guess put them together, rub them together. I don't know. We'll see what the fuck happens, I guess. Batman <laughs> is essentially proposing that they go dig up the corpse of Superman. <laughs> yeah. Throw him inside this fluid filled spaceship and zap him back to life with this mother box. What? It, like, Cyborg is just like, hey, that has the most probability of working. I mean, it's almost zero. <laughs> Doing nothing is clearly not going to bring him back to right. life. You're saying that this might work? I can't deny that. <laughs> right. It might. It could. <laughs> Have you thought of just, I don't know, throwing some fresca on him? <laughs> that could work, too. You might be able to run through that wall right now. Why don't you try that out, Batman? Right, even, even Batman is like, he's an alien. We don't know how his physiology works. We don't know if he's even really dead or not. We just buried him because that's what we do on this planet. But nobody in this movie has even talked about Superman once. Sure, Lois Lane and Ma Kent are probably wandering around a fashion bug looking at dresses <laughs> and reminiscing over how Cart used to tell his mom that Lois's ankles were great big. In that movie, they're but at a Hot Topic, sir. I was thinking of getting a black choker. I was thinking maybe Lois Lane's heading over to Ann Taylor. (laughs) All right. Fair enough. But nobody in this group of superheroes has said one word about Superman, let alone what life would be like if he had been there to fight Steppenwolf, let alone reanimating his dead corpse. Immediately, Wonder Woman is like, hey, you know, clock, sometimes death is better. And he's like, fuck that. Let's let's bring him back. Yeah. Batman's rationale is, ah, come on, come on. And he looks over at Aquaman. He's like, Aquaman, how about you? You want to go dig up a body? And he's just like, yeah, bro. I mean, wh- whatever, man. The fuck? Are we, are we drinking, right? We're drinking on the way? Stop it off. Get some roadies? Come on, bro. I'll tell you what. Give me mm, three. I'll tell you what. Give me four stovepipes of some CL. That's Coors Light to you and me, man. All right, bro. When you hear AM say stovepipe, assume Coors Light. Now, let's go, bro. Let's dig this motherfucker up. There's all right. So before Wonder Woman finally capitulates here, she's like, "Sometimes you have to let the past go, Bruce." And he's like, "Yeah, why don't you ask Steve Trevor about that?" And she just decks him. Then Alfred and Batman in the following scene, like after she smacks him, he's like, "Meh, 
Alfred, I need help. And so he's like debating Superman, you know, of like this, the whole crazy scheme. And Alfred's like, are you sure you want to do this? Like, even if you bring him back to life, are you sure he wants to see you? Didn't you almost kill him in the last movie? He's like, yeah, but you know, this is what we got to do. And there's a, like a real Star Trek two callback here where he's like, you know, of all the superheroes I've ever met, his soul was the most human. And Alfred's like, yeah, all right, fair enough. I mean, he's a better dude than you, no doubt. You're a fucking half-wit rich boy. Gets by on charm and luck, I assume. When you say charm and luck, you're being polite and really just saying money. <laughs> right. Batman says, all right, let's go uh, resurrect Superman and Cyborg's down. And the Flash says, aren't we sure that this won't be a pet cemetery kind of thing? Which, do audiences even get that reference? Because I don't think that they do. It's pretty popular, man. I Like, I don't fault it too much for making the reference, other than the fact that it's like, as much as I think Pet Cemetery is kind of a shitty movie, still better than Justice League. It's got Fred Gwynn in it. Ooh. That's all right. Well, and you know what? If you'd asked Fred Gwynn about this plan, he would have said, sometimes that is better. Yeah. Um, the soil of an amniotic tank is stonier, Lewis. The Flash and Cyborg are put on grave robbing duty, and at one point while they're digging up uh, Superman, the Flash goes to fist bump Cyborg, who blows him off because fist bumping is weird for adults to do in general. And then the Flash stammers, we're not uh, uh, racially charged. Why are they bringing race into this scene? Why is it being brought into this movie? Right. It's a really terrible throwaway line. And I don't even know if it was in the script or if it was just improv or something. But it's terrible because it's like, until you said racial, all I thought was, yeah, he's not fist bumping you because you're an overeager nerd. And we're right. good with that. Like, how did this become a racial thing? And why? Ugh. God damn it. Joss Whedon. I like that we get uh, backstories on how the Flash and... Cyborg got their powers during this scene because the Flash says, yeah, I got struck by lightning. And he's like, how about you? He's like, explosion. All right. So we're good to go. That's all we need to know. There. Yeah. And then they, hit, you know, strike pay dirt and the Flash, like his shovel hits the, uh, uh, the top of the coffin. And th this movie very successfully, I think, tries to disguise or at least put in the background the potentially moldy corpse of Superman that they have fished out of this uh, coffin. After they find the body, we cut to uh, Batman and Wonder Woman just kind of watching them. Of just like, look, it turns out those jerks got the body. And now they've got an army truck somehow. Don't worry about it. And are going to sneak into Star Labs with this big army truck. And Cyborg uses his cyborg powers to make the flash uh appear on the database like when they look up his id it's like oh yeah he belongs here and so they're let in and then we immediately just cut to the interior of the kryptonian ship and i'm like well why didn't batman and wonder woman get in the back of the truck then what are they why are they hanging out out here and if they're just going to, like, jump in, why didn't everyone do that? Like, these are all fucking superheroes. Well, they had to take the casket with Superman in it. That's what they were doing right. in the truck. Wonder Woman has been, like, jumping a half mile into the air. <laughs> You're telling me that she can't do a little hop and a skip with a, a coffin tucked under her arm? I like that once they get inside, um, they say that the mother box 
like that they don't have enough energy to jumpstart Superman back to life or to get the box going. And so the Flash says he can conduct enough energy to spark it. But Cyborg says, hey, look, to do this, you have to conduct the electricity at the exact moment that the mother box hits the embryonic water right as the connecting hook hits the cable at precisely 88 miles an hour. (laughs) The instant the lightning hits the tower... And then everything's going to be fine. What are we even doing here? It doesn't have to be the exact moment. Just uh, This is stupid. When this scene happens, there is as much suspense as you have when opening the wrapper on a Band-Aid. I was trying to think if I've ever been surprised in in the process of that action. I guess the closest I've ever come is to be like, oh, this one's got Flintstones on it. I like that, that Aquaman is the one who takes the body down there. That he's just like, like you got, is that a dead body, bro? I'll take it, bro. Give it here. It's not the first time I've ever hoisted a dead body down into the water. Shit, that's called Thursday night. <laughs> Friday night, it's three and a horse. I wonder if, if like originally Cyborg was like, I'll, I'll put him in the water. He's like, whoa, 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 bro. I believe <laughs> what we were talking about is putting that dead body into a fluid. I'm the water man. Look, water or not, if it is more than slightly viscous, that is AM's domain, bro. I'm taking that corpse into that fluid. Superman gets Electra zapped and he immediately comes back to life. (laughs) He explodes out of the building uh, along with the mother cube and costume change worth noting here. When Superman is put into the water by uh, Aquaman, he is wearing a a full on funeral dark suit. But when he explodes out, he's now only wearing black pants, no shirt or shoes and he looks like he's headed to a Tai Chi lesson or something. <laughs> I, yeah, I guess I assumed that was because of the force with which he exploded out of the pregnancy room. It, so it blew off his shirt <laughs> but not his and pants. his jacket and his tie and his socks and his shoes, but not his pants. Well, sure, because it's a, a you know, in theory, a family movie. You can't be showing off Supercock and Justice League. Maybe he goes to the Hulk's tailor. Like, these will withstand anything, but only the pants. And for you, uh, Dr. Banner, only to the knee. Uh, <laughs> All the superheroes fly over, uh, except for Batman. He hangs back because Superman may still be pissed off that Batman tried to kill him in the last movie. Right? Yeah, everybody's like, you know, Batman, uh, you need to probably chill because you remember when you almost killed him last movie. And only, I, like, Aquaman would be the one dude who was like, come on, bro. What better time to make amends, man? Back from the dead. Second chances, bro. Hug it out, man. Come on, hug it out. Get in here. I'll tell you what, I see you two hugging. You know I'm putting my arms around there, too. Get in here. I got some for everybody. Oh, man. I'll tell you what, Batman. Then the little nubby ears you got on that thing, about cutest motherfucker. Come here, bro. I just I want to give you a little nugget. Superman can see through everybody's skin, and he sees them as skeletons, and he's all, you know, tatered in the head because he's been dead for a while and these skeletons kind of freak him out and then cyborg's suit just takes over and blasts at superman and superman retaliates with his laser heat vision and he tries to melt cyborg but he ends up blowing up a cop car which this is exactly what holly hunter was talking about in that other superman movie Mm -hmm. you know wonder woman the unofficial narrator of the movie looks at her partners and says he's confused he doesn't know who he is like well no shit (laughs) Right. I do like the fact that Aquaman is like, oh, he ain't okay, bro. 
and and there there is a, again a, a, because I think the Aquaman character is very funny in this movie. There's that point where they're like, "Yeah, just calm down." He he senses your fear, and he's like, "Yeah, because he's not okay, bro." <laughs> and <laughs> I've seen that look. I've seen that look before. I've seen it in County. I see it in County a lot. I have that look on my face every night about eight thirty to nine p.m. And it sits there for the next four hours until I pass out. Usually between a pair of breasts. Am I right, bro? I'll tell you what. Cyborg may, may not be in, but I will dab you all day long, Barry Allen. Wonder Woman, Aquaman, and Cyborg, they all attack Superman. And uh, all at the same time, they bum rush him. And then the Flash comes running by, I'm guessing, to just run back to his home and hide. There's a good scene here where Superman is fending off Wonder Woman, Aquaman, and Cyborg. But as the Flash goes by, Superman first turns his eye and then his head to indicate that he has super speed. And this makes the Flash, I'm guessing, piss his super suit. Like, he's just terrified of this. Yeah, that is kind of a nice moment where he's like, for the first time, one presumes in his life, somebody is as fast as he is. And yeah, it, it is kind of fun. Again, in a better Justice League movie, that could be a great moment. They should have brought Superman. This scene should happen at the end of Act Two. Or the end of Act One, as far as I'm concerned. Like, let's get Superman going here. It maybe it runs a little counter to sort of the conventional three story arc. But if they go in and say, hey, look, here's our, you set up your villain, and it's like, we got to get Superman back. And then Act Two is getting Superman back into the fray. And then Act Three is all of our super friends working together to defeat uh, El Diablo or Loki, or whatever the hell his name is, then that would have made more sense. The problem is that this is all happening with, you know, about 15, 20 minutes left in a two-hour movie. Yeah, yeah. One of the best takes I've ever heard was get rid of Steppenwolf altogether, make Superman the villain of the movie, bring him back in the first 10 minutes, and he's all crazy Superman. And that's your movie, is the Justice League has to come together to save the world from Superman. And and, back- and it gives you somewhere to go in a sequel. Like once they bring him back from the brink, then the next movie is like, holy shit, like now I got to apologize to Earth. Well, what you're describing is essentially the plot of the first Adams Family movie <laughs> and the subsequent benefits that came from the sequel. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Batman shows up 20 minutes late. He jumps out and screams, Clark! Why on earth he didn't yell out, Martha! Martha! My mom's Martha! Your mom's Martha! And just diffuse the whole situation. Remember that whole Martha thing that we bonded over? Like, I I know I tried to kill you, but like, flash forward like 10 minutes. And then we had a Martha thing. (laughs) Superman looks at Batman and says, I know you. And then Superman headbutts Wonder Woman just into the sidewalk. And then he body chops Batman so hard that he flies like 100 feet back, smashing in to a Metropolis police car. Batman would be instantly dead. Yeah. You're not coming back from that. And here's why I like the evil Superman scenario. Because after throwing Batman around like a rag doll, Superman then grabs him and like pulls him up by his neck and is about to straight up murder him. And before he does it is like, what is some cold ass Superman shit to say to him? Oh yeah. And then he looks Batman in the eye and says, do you bleed? Which is from the previous film. That's what Batman said to Superman. If this had been the movie of like, we've got to get Superman good again, 
or kill him one or the other. I think that would be a really interesting movie. And I think Henry Cavill is kind of his best moments in this movie or when he's evil Superman. He's only in the movie about six minutes. So pick and choose. Uh, after uh, he he fucks uh, Batman up, Batman has called like called in Alfred to be like, Daddy, I mean, Alfred, I need help. Uh, I fucked up. I shouldn't have done any of this. And, <laughs> and Alfred's like, all right, I'll send the big guns. And it turns out the big guns is Lois. Uh, car pulls up. Lois steps out before Superman can fully kill Batman, which he deserves. Uh, Superman sees Lois and just flies over to her and is like, I remember you. You're my woman. And then just grabs her and fucks off. And in the background, Steppenwolf tiptoes in, grabs the third mother box, and then he zips away. (laughs) Right. It happens in like four seconds and Wonder Woman's like, oh, Steppenwolf got the thing that this whole movie's about. (laughs) It's like, what? Boy, it feels like we're missing a scene here, doesn't it? Superman and Lois Lane land at the foreclosed, uh, Kent farmhouse and Lois tells Superman you smell good no he does not is that embalming fluid is it Kryptonian embryonic rejuvenation oils like what is she smelling on this guy you know when when they said uh we shouldn't embalm you with the the rose scented fluid uh because it was an extra four hundred dollars they said it was crazy to spend that money now look who's stupid now huh I want you to come to the daily planet with me Clark, and tell everyone, first of all, that you're Superman, that you died, that you were resurrected on an alien spaceship, and that you smelled this good because of how we had you embalmed. Superman, still shirtless, says, did I not before? I can't remember if my former hygiene habits were good or bad. Did I use deodorant or was it antiperspirant? Honestly, I'm not sure the difference between the two, Lois. I'm Superman. There's a lot of opportunity here for Lois to really sand some rough edges on Clark's personality. She's like, you know what you always did is cunnilingus. You did that all the time. You gave me foot rubs. You bought me flowers every day. I'm the only Earth woman who has a birthday on the 5th of every month of the year. And in February, I have a birthday every week of the month, including Valentine's Day. Also, you're going to stop being a superhero because it stresses me out a little bit. We got back to the Batcave and Aquaman is just smashing things. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Natural reaction, bro. This is bullshit, bro. Oh, man, what the hell? Man. Who's supposed to be watching the box, man? Shit, bro. Was it me? That was on me. I should have been watching the box. I, I swear I thought Barry had eyes on it, bro. You know how fast he is. <laughs> I thought he was going to see... Stabbing Wolf, bro, and then just take off. I'll grab the thing and go. Anybody here think it's weird that the villain in this movie is called Stepping Wolf? I love Stepping Wolf. I'm, it's a conflict of interest. I'm of two minds, bro. On the one hand, I hate Stepping Wolf. He keeps stealing my shit and busting my girl in the chops. On the other hand, I love Stepping Wolf, bro. I like to dream. Right between the sound machine. Come on, bro. You know the words. On a cloud of sound, I drift in the night. Barry, Barry. Any place that it goes right. Barry, run and get my boom box, bro. Goes far. Flies near to the stars away from here. Well, you don't know. Come on, Barry. He can't find Batman. Cyborg, you got a jukebox in there, bro? Won't you play this for real? What do you mean you don't have this music in you? Dude, what am I supposed to be doing out there with that box? There wasn't even a goddamn fountain, bro. 
I got no water. It's like, tell me to paint. Give me no canvas, bro. <laughs> Closest thing I could see was the flash over here and his piss pants. Not to embarrass you, bro, but come on. Let's be real, bro. That wasn't enough water for me to do anything with, but it must have humiliated you something fierce. Wonder Woman tells Cyborg that he has to go under to find the cubes because he got his power from them, which who knows what that means. The Flash says he has low blood sugar, so I guess that's supposed to be funny. I don't know. Everybody kind of has a job. And then uh, Batman goes upstairs and he takes off his suit and he's all beat to shit. And Wonder Woman comes in and then they make up. Also, (laughs) of note in this scene, nobody seems that concerned with the fact that Superman might be a monstrous killing machine. They're all just like, well, let's chalk this one up to a loss, bro. Really thought... Thought we, thought we were going to chalk that one up as a W. I swear to God. That Superman turned it evil. Boy, that caught me off guard, bro. Not going to lie. We come back to the Kent farm, and uh, Superman, unfortunately, is now wearing a shirt. Uh, Superman and Lois Lane share dialogue that truly parallels conversations between Padme and Anakin Skywalker <laughs> in Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. It is Winston. Yeah, the- I, I hope that you wouldn't be better yet. Why is that, Lois? Because... Now I have to send you away. Why is that, Lois? It's like the sun. The sun in the sky that brings warmth and energy. It's like car keys that you can't find. That sounds familiar, Lois. My someone I used to know used to tell me about that, Lois. Perhaps (laughs) I have told you that story and you simply have forgotten and thought it was your story. It happens to all of us sometimes. It's weird. Ma Kent comes out, and she's happy that her son is undead now. (laughs) Are you a zombie, Clark? I am, Mother. I was dead. I have been resurrected by my friends. You smell good. Boy. They spent the extra 400. (laughs) You can thank Lois for that. We cut back to the Chernobyl Tower, and Steppenwolf is there, and he's merging the three cubes. So at this point, everyone on Earth should be instantly dead, but fortunately we're not. Speaking of which, this movie never really shows humanity in any peril. There are very few normal people in trouble in this movie. Aside from the hostages at the beginning, the Russians in the Doomsday Prepper house, and the the hostages that get taken by the parademons, the janitor, the cyberdyne dad, and those other few nameless people, for the rest of Earth, earth this movie doesn't really occur right they don't really know about the threat they never really hear about it nothing really blows up or goes sideways it just sort of happens you know in the shadows yeah it, it, the big news right now is like did somebody see a zombie superman like that's all people right. would know hey, did you hear superman's back i thought he was i thought he was dead well yeah we all did but he he came back well yeah he's an alien He's a superhero, so yeah. I'm sure that's why the Russian family got written in after the fact in the first place. Was like, hey, did anyone else notice that like we only see the Justice League and Steppenwolf in the third act of this movie? Like, there's literally nobody else. It is head-scratching. Um, but while uh, spiky things start coming out of the ground thanks to Steppenwolf doing the Unity thing, which is just him smushing the boxes together, and then... Rock, purple rocks start spiraling out of the ground. Yeah, the super friends all fly to Russia to go do battle with him because Cyborg figures out that's where they need to be. And Cyborg also figures out, hey, you know how Steppenwolf mashed all those three boxes together? The way we stop this is we take them apart. I'm like, wow, I can't believe Batman didn't figure that one out. Like that That's the key to, to unlock this whole uh, doomsday scenario. You just take them apart because <laughs> he put them together. 
Huh. Yeah, but how will we know how many there are? Hey, bro. When I was in Iceland, they had a picture on the wall. And it was an awesome picture of me bringing up a big fish. But wait, it gets better. There were three boxes in that picture. Yeah. I think there might be three here. Hmm. Thanks, Uncle. Seems tentative at best. I will say that the the fun the truly funniest scene of this movie happens um, here before they fly to Russia when uh, or they're all, I think they're on the transport and Aquaman is sitting and he just starts speaking out a string of like vulnerable truths about you know what's going on and how he's afraid to die and he hasn't lived his life and how hot Wonder Woman is and it turns out that he's sitting on Wonder Woman's lasso it's completely out of place not only for the movie but just the pacing of the the drama and the building of the tension but it is still in my opinion kind of a funny moment hey guys you're welcome um i'll I'll tell you my favorite uh laugh in this scene comes even before that when as the plane is taking off you see one of the greatest cartoon Jeremy Irons on that platform. It's nice. It is it is a total puppet, man. Oh my goodness, <laughs> it is wonderful. Uh in terms of just like enjoying crap CGI when it rears its head, it is some real Sharknado level CGI. And <laughs> the the ship arrives in Hellville, uh Russia, and we see that our family is still there. Steppenwolf it like gets reports, I guess, from the parademons or just senses a disturbance in the force or something. And it's like, oh, the Justice League is here, but kind of who cares? Uh, like, it's too late. Uh, the, the unity has begun. And so Batman says, I'll take down the tower defenses and you guys get the boxes from Steppenwolf and, and pull them apart. And what Batman means by that is to blow a hole in this, I don't know, blue shield or shell or something around the... the this tower and then he blows up the tower but that's not where steppenwolf was so i'm not sure what the big deal about the tower was unless it was about the shield but then he shot through the shield so that didn't seem like that big a deal i don't know following that batman in the batmobile he starts playing that annoying sound that all the parademons you know are drawn to like he's one of those bug zapper lights on wheels we also get in this scene a little a little Danny Elfman, like, hey, remember the Batmobile, everyone? When I did the yeah, music for that, I think there's once or twice where they almost do the John yep. Williams score. Like they they use just enough notes that they don't have to actually reference it. You know, it's like, burr, burr, burr. <laughs> like wait, was that? No, 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 it wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> Back in the the Doomsday Preppers house again. They're still around for, for some unknown reason. How much, which I tried to figure out how much time has passed since we first saw them, like an hour, a month, three years. I have no idea. I don't know. Well, they, I mean, Aquaman's got a kid at the end of it. I don't know. They jump in a truck to get away from the purple crystal tubes that are exploding out to crush their house. Batman rides around the village shooting buildings and killing parademons. And his plan does work to some extent. You know, I mean, he takes down the shield to your point and then Wonder Woman shows up and then Everybody in the film just basically starts a giant CGI battle. It's a real big mess. I I've, I've took relatively succinct notes here. So let's see if we can get through the action portion of this quickly. It will be very fast. Mine are short, right. too. So who, nobody the cares. family uh, that we've been watching all movie, they decide they're going to make a break for it because now things have gotten too shitty in their shitty house. They've never seen Tremors. Right. <laughs> I mean, should, get on the rocks. Call them graboids. <laughs> uh, so then Wonder Woman... Jumps in to save Batman when the parademons start busting up the Batmobile. 
And Aquaman then takes out the last of the parademons. He's like, hey, Wonder Woman told me to help. Uh, she said there was some B-plot about leadership, and she had to fulfill it, bro. So I'm here to tell you that she's in charge or something, man. I don't know. Anyway, woohoo! And then he's off, and he he <laughs> jumps up into the air, uh, thanks to, like, Cyborg <laughs> or some shit, and then surfs on a parademon. <laughs> it's so stupid. Where, like, he's falling through the air, and then Cyborg catches him, and is he's just like, hey, little help, bro. And Cyborg throws him through the air. And as he's flying through the air, he throws his trident, stabs a parademon, then body surfs through the air to catch up to said body, to grab his uh, trident and ra- ride this body like slim pickings to Earth. Yep. And then hops off of it and is just like, whoa, all right, let's ride again, bro. That was extreme. Anybody see that? Was anybody, <laughs> anybody got a phone on? Was anybody recording that? Got a GoPro or something, bro? Because that was crazy. That's what I'm going to do. AM is going to start wearing a GoPro. Put that on YouTube and I can shutter that eBay shit for good. I could be monetizing this whole fight. Wonder Woman and Aquaman are attacking Steppenwolf. So they're kind of double teaming him. Cyborg is trying to interface with the boxes. And Batman is, has just now resorted to shooting stuff. With a rifle. <laughs> you know, just got a laser gun is shooting parademons. And Steppenwolf nabs uh, Cyborg and pulls him away from the box. And then Wonder Woman breaks the bridge that they're all on and everybody falls. And then we cut back to the family trying to escape. And Batman is like, hey, Barry, you need to go uh, save those people. They're never going to make it in time. Then Wonder Woman wraps Steppenwolf up with her lasso, and then he's fighting Aquaman and Wonder Woman again, and then more rocks fall on Wonder Woman and Aquaman, and then uh, Steppenwolf starts attacking Cyborg, and then Batman is just out of bullets, and he's no good anymore, and then everything looks like it's going to be lost. Chad. Can I give you my notes? Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Everybody starts fighting, then Superman shows up. (laughs) Yeah. So... Sure enough, <laughs> Superman shows up and uh, just punches Loki, I mean, um, Steppenwolf, right in the face. And he's like, hey, guys, anybody need a superhero? <laughs> right. And there's a real good Aquaman like, all right, let's go, bro. I'm going to fuck shit up. Got your back, Come man. On, let's do like it. You're Superman, bro. I'm such a big fan, bro. Fuck. I, I tell you what, when this is over, we are going to party, dude. Do you even get drunk, bro? I drink whiskey all the time. It is so hard for me to get fucked up, bro. What is it like for you? You don't understand. I live in the water. Whiskey is all I drink. I can kind of breathe through my skin. It's crazy, bro. I'll tell you all about it later. I know we got to fuck this dude up real quick. Just high five real quick, bro. I'm such a big, big supporter. Have been all my life, man. <laughs> big support <laughs> and there's another like hey everybody I, I, you guys want to hear superman batman is just jab each other a little all right right back and then uh batman's like hey i'm glad you were here to fight steppenwolf superman's like well i knew you didn't bring me back because you liked me and batman goes well i don't not like you and it's a real awkward delivery it's just like oh man this is not working people i like i appreciate the effort but mm -mm. and then superman because of that man of steel movie is still that that stinks still lingering 
he's like, I have to go save civilians <laughs> because I'm Superman. <laughs> but he doesn't because the Flash is pushing a the truck with the four doomsday preppers in it. And he's going to push it away from the, the purple crystal tubes that are crashing and everything. But then we see Superman and he's flying with a building, <laughs> but we don't see people no. in it. Is he just, is he just carrying a building? <laughs> Either that or like his x-ray was like, you know, there's some delicious snacks on the side. I'm thinking there was like, there were like, like eight random feral dogs in that building. <laughs> like, well, this is good enough. There's a colony of 20 cats in the basement of this building. <laughs> have to get them to safety. One of them is pregnant. So that counts double. Oh, wait, 18 now. One of them ate. One of the kittens, that's a real shame. <laughs> to wrap it all up, Superman comes back and he he beats up Steppenwolf. Um, and then he pulls apart the three cubes. And when he does this, there's an explosion that blasts him and Cyborg across the room. And they have a good laugh. They're like, oh, I can hardly feel my toes. I wish, I wish I was still dead. My toes hurt. I don't even know how that's possible because I'm a freakish monster. I don't even have flesh down there. Yeah, and you're right. Superman is just like, I have my walking corpse. Does everyone remember that? I was I was literally dead three hours ago. I was going to get it on with Lois. She told me I had to come do this. Is <laughs> Boy, I really feel like I should have stood up to that a little more. Steppenwolf shows back up and is like, remember me? And everyone's like, no. We had totally forgotten you were the villain of this film. He punches Flash, who, you know, goes flying. And he says, who are you that you would do this? Superman ends up freezing the axe with his super breath. Wonder Woman shatters it with her sword. After effects come out of it. And then the parademons are, start swirling around. And they're like, hey, well, what's this all about? And uh, I think it's Batman who says, they smell fear. And sure enough, the parademons are now afraid or smell the fear that uh, Steppenwolf has. And then they attack him. And then the tube comes down to suck them out of the movie. And again, there's there's at least a chance that he might have just shit his pants. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, he was he was real fucked up. Like if you got punched hard enough, I feel like you would shit yourself. <laughs> especially if you got like he gets royally fucked up by superman at one point which is actually my legitimate favorite moment in the movie where you see superman like blast him like punch him then blast him with the heat vision and then like rail into him yet again and it's a real nice moment of like yeah that's right superman does kind of kick ass if he were a better character this would be awesome. Yeah, it's, it's really cool how after he does that, when you see Steppenwolf a few minutes later in the movie, uh, he has none of those physical effects on his body where he would have suffered that. But, you know. Man, we got to get this movie minor, out the door, minor. Chad. We got time to put on, like, decals for bruises and stuff and blood. We, we got the one model, and we can wiggle it around a bunch of different ways. That's what we got. I got to tell you, I would have rather than see him with a, you know, Superman heat vision chest scar i would have rather just seen him shit his pants you know <laughs> if the end of this movie <laughs> it involved him legitimately shitting his pants and all the parademons mm -hmm. like oh it would have been fantastic <laughs> shit your pants bro what's wrong with that i, I that's the only way i do shit my pants live in the ocean dude it's like nature's toilet man i am swimming in the bathroom all day long man it, it, there is never a, a more freeing sensation, bro, than swimming along at Mach 2 
and dropping a deuce. Once it comes out, once it comes out, you know what it is. It's a sea pickle. I call it dropping my boys. And when I pee, bro, I call that shark repellent. True though. True. I, 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 it was a joke, man. But I was I was swimming by a, a couple of sharks, and I let one go, and them sharks they swam away like their tails are on fire and their fins are catching. It was crazy, bro. The sharks hated my pee. After everything comes to an end, uh, we cut to the Kent farm and every- furniture's being moved back in and Ma Kent's going in because Batman bought the bank that foreclosed on the farm and gave it back to him, which, again, he should have done this weeks, if not months or earlier. Why buy the uh, bank the- if you're if you're Bruce Wayne? Just be like, how much they owe? All right. Because oh. he's a dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> That's- Master Wayne, have you thought about the fact that you... If you buy the bank, you buy all the bank's accounts, not just one. That's right, Alfred. <laughs> a bunch is more than one. I want, I want the bank. How much does the state of Kansas cost? Less than the bank, sir. Get them both, the bank and the state. <laughs> the bank is in Kansas. You don't have to buy them both. I said buy them both, Alfred. I want to see two checks and written. Bring me a magnifying glass. I am a detective after all. <laughs> bring me a magnifying glass and one of those hats with the bill on both sides. And a pipe. It's a detective comics, after all, Alfred. I'm going to detect. You moron. You lonely old bachelor. <laughs> you stupid old man. <laughs> the Flash goes to see his dad in prison to show him that he got a job at some crime lab. Lois Lane goes back to being a reporter. Wonder Woman and Batman go uh, into this building that they're going to make the home for the Justice League. Aquaman jumps back in the water. <laughs> I, I, going wherever he's going to go. Sailor movie. I'm sure he's... The fact that we don't see him at a Hooters is is shocking to me at the That's end of the That's where he's film. coming from. You call me on the egress, man. <laughs> cyborgs with his dad the flash is running through traffic wonder woman is saving the day in london or paris or somewhere i don't know uh, jim gordon fires up the but bat fi- signal everything she stops good. another robbery that is all anyone aside from a terrorist the, the terrorist attack looked like a robbery it I, i'm sorry it just blows my mind that at no point were they just like what if it's a runaway car or something anything else <laughs> and then superman kind of flies off into the sky leaving some calm trails and i'm sure some conspiracy theories and uh we then roll credits oh. that is the end that's the end of our movie you can just turn it off nope nope and- chad there is more like any good superhero film and this one there are post credit scenes and this movie was nothing if not ambitious <laughs> So the first one, <laughs> not since Remo Williams, <laughs> The Adventure Begins. Yes. Have we seen a more ambitious film? <laughs> I swear to God, as soon as you said not since, the first thing I thought was <laughs> Remo Williams, The Adventure Begins. Maybe the end of that uh, that Masters of the Universe movie. That one had a little ambition on the on the on the back end of it. Yeah, as well. yeah. I mean, you definitely see it time to time, but I always appreciate when a movie that is spectacularly bad. Is like, wait till you get a load of what's coming next. It's like, oh, no, thank you, sir. I will push away from the table. So the first, we got two post-credit scenes. The first one is a race between the Flash and Superman, which is one of those, you guys, what if Superman and the Flash race? <laughs> and they're going to like race to the Pacific Ocean. And, and that's the whole scene of just like, all right, let's go. And then they start running and that's it. Great. So, right. <laughs> all right. It, it, fine. In another movie, again, that would be fine. 
Um, but we get our end credit scene, and this is where things get a little ahead of a little cart ahead of the horse. Where Lex Luthor has escaped from Arkham Asylum or wherever, and he's bald now. Was he bald at the end of Batman v Superman? I don't remember. Yeah, uh, I, I think All so. Right. Eh, Let's whatever. just say he was. Yeah, and um, so he has uh, escaped to a yacht, a, a super fancy yacht, and in comes the character Deathstroke. On a boat. And how how did you know it was Deathstroke? Could you just tell by looking at him? I knew because I had the subtitles on, but. <laughs> no, because Deathstroke is a character on uh, some of the uh, CW Arrowverse movies or shows. Deathstroke is the main villain in Teen Titans Go to the Movies, which is a much better film than Justice League. Oh my goodness! I saw that uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. What a delightful movie! A, a movie, both of a the, movie that both of those movies. Yeah, movies. yeah. I mean, I, I haven't seen the Teen Titan ones, but I'm sure that uh, in like it, it, both of those are ensemble films that probably handle all their characters much better. So yes the 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 television pilot for the facts of life handled their characters better in in 22 minutes Mm. oh tootie um but so lex luthor uh tells and i can't not pronounce it luthor uh a la ned Beatty. (laughs) lex luthor says uh hey uh all these superheroes got together and formed a little club and I want, for lack of a better term, uh, shouldn't we have a league of our own? Like Gina Davis and Rosie O'Donnell? Right, but it, it, one presumes he is talking about the Legion of Doom, if you know your super friends, which I think we do. Right. Um, that eventually uh, the Legion of Doom will be in a swamp somewhere. Yeah, it's it's kind of uh, a real, like, hey, guess what? Eventually, the next time we do one of these Justice Leagues, we're going to have a bunch of villains. It's going to be crazy. Again, the movie is so crappy that when you get to this, you're like, oh, please, no. No, thank you. <laughs> this movie is, is loud. It is obnoxious. It is uh, completely schizophrenic. Um, even at its best, it's only kind of okay. And most of the time, it's not at its best. Uh, Chad, what do you think uh, at the end of the day about Justice League? What is what is your takeaway from this movie? <laughs> How about that? Um, would you like to elaborate at all? It's bloated. It's uneven. I think that your setup really helped to fill in some of the the gaps that I had around the the history and and how this movie came to be. And it really helps to make sense as to why you see this tonally uneven film. There are parts, you know, even as we've talked through a lot of these films this season, I found that at least our discussion in a weird way makes some of these movies sound better than they really are. Cause I'm like, cause as, as the words are coming out of your and my mouths that it's like, you know, and then the flash does this with Batman and wonder woman's there and Aquaman. It's like, man, this all sounds really good, but it wasn't, it was just awful. I really cannot understate how just much of a slog this movie is to get through. And you know, I liked the I liked the Wonder Woman movie. I liked the I liked a lot about the Wonder Woman movie. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm definitely you know more a fan of as you noted sort of the the tightness and the um the tightness of the the Marvel uh, films that have been made and really just the fact that they're just better movies. They're character driven movies. I mean, as we went through this and even my notes and everything that you detailed, everything about this was all plot. There was nothing in this movie that had anything to do with character development 
at all. Oh, no. I mean, the closest you get is like, I guess Cyborg is kind of a hero at the end and isn't afraid of aliens anymore, maybe. And the Flash is kind of a hero. There's really no arc to Batman. There's no arc to Superman. There's really, I guess the arc to Wonder Woman is that she can be a leader now, even though she's not the leader of the Justice League at the end of this movie. It's a real big thematic and character arc mess of a uh, of a film. And yeah, it, it, a lot of that, I'm sure, has to do with the, the troubled production and post-production and all that stuff. So I, I, I'll tell you, one thing I want to touch on and just get your opinion on before we bail on this forever is this notion that some people have of like oh you could get a Zack Snyder cut of this movie and that would be the superior film because it would it wouldn't have all the Joss Whedon jokey jokes and it would be a, a more serious kind of affair and more in line with Batman v Superman and Man of Steel do you have any do you think that would be a better movie even just on from a purely conceptual point of view would that be better Absolutely not. No. I mean, I've seen, you know, a handful of other Zack Snyder films, and I think that he's a very stylistic director. But the fact that superhero movies inherently need to have a lot of different tonal elements that all interweave together to really make it successful. You know, you have action, you have humor, you have suspense. You know, there can be very frightening moments as well. And I just think for him as a director, his work, especially on the the earlier Superman movies as well, they're just very dry and heavy. And at the end of the day, quite honestly, they're just not very fun. Yeah. And, and why would you want to go watch a superhero movie that is not fun? <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't. Yeah. That's, that's the whole fucking point, right? right? Yeah. I mean, that's why... This movie, I think, like when it came out and kind of tanked, or, or, well, it didn't tank, but in, considering the amount of money that it put into it, the fact that it made, you know, $600 million, it was still a failure. Um, but that's uh, right. That, that's crazy to imagine, but it's true. Like that, that's not what the movie cost to make and market. Um, but it really is a, a movie that I think pays for the sins of its predecessors. And I think Batman v Superman was so generally shit upon that it was just like, no, nobody, the the big fans are going to go see this and, and there's going to be that hot opening weekend. But after that, that's it. Like nobody's that interested in this. And as as a parent of taking a child um, to the movies, even just the fact that you would make a superhero movie and within the first, I don't know, what, 20 minutes or so, you have a group of children that are not only being held at gunpoint, but then are shot upon by a, just a random nameless bank robber. I'm not necessarily opposed to that, you know, being in a movie, but as a superhero film, that just sort of feels like maybe a, a step too far of what you're really going to do. Like it's fine to put kids in peril and whatever, but as far as a superhero movie, why would you do that? It just, I don't know. That just seemed a little strange to me or a little heavy, you know, for a movie like this. Yeah. Yeah. I like this movie in Joss Whedon's hands might have been okay. If he had been the, the guy that was writing and directing from jump, like we saw that <clears throat> maybe not so much with Avengers too, but Avengers is, you know, I watched that movie fairly regularly i mean you know once every couple of years maybe it holds up you know it's a really fun movie the villains are terrible but kind of who cares uh it, it's fun to see all those characters bouncing off each other because they're interesting and they're funny and and loki's an acceptable villain this has like none of that charm or 
there's just no character to it. You know, like Batman is just grumpy. Superman is just a guy. He doesn't, I guess he's moral, but he's not. But Superman's just dead the whole movie. Yeah. I mean, right. But even when he's there, it's like, well, I guess he is behaving like I expect Superman to behave, but I don't know what else I'm getting out of this. And I think, I think that the Lego Batman movie handled these characters much better than this movie. absolutely all right so enough about <laughs> stupid justice league we are done with that movie it's not the last time we're going to be dealing with the dceu uh but before we get into that uh chad why don't you tell the the nice folks at home who have listened so far and god bless them for that uh what we've got coming up next so we've talked a lot about batman in this particular episode in our next episode episode five we will be talking about one of batman's uh, greatest nemesis and love interest catwoman um, starring halle berry a movie that is notoriously bad for a variety of reasons and um i'm really looking forward to this one again it's one of those standalone um superhero spinoff movies which normally do not work very well in this case, it certainly doesn't, but um, it should be it should be an interesting, good time, you know, just sort of understanding not only how the Tim Burton Batman movies gave rise to this particular spinoff, but how Halle Berry was cast in this role and how similarly to Justice League fell apart due to multiple issues related to writing, production, direction, onset calamity. <laughs> It's it it's just everything about it from uh the music that was involved from the the video games that were attached to it everything about it just seemed to be cursed with the mojo of failure which bodes well for us it does uh I gotta say onset calamity in my top three calamities and your other two being Jane Jane and Chowder we will see you next week for Catwoman. <laughs>